Hello, one and all, and welcome to Weekly Manga Recap. It is November the 29th of 2023, and no, I don't know why I did that voice. Sometimes weird sounds come out of my mouth, and I don't know what the reasoning is behind them, because I just kind of keep on talking aren't, and, uh, they do it. Aren't all sounds weird sounds when you think about it? Like, isn't the mm-hmm. fact that, like, our meat tunnels, like, create <laughs> sound at all just kind of weird when you think about it? <laughs> The fact that they create sound, I don't think is weird. I'm pretty sure that they, that, you know, evolution is to blame for that. But, but like uh, that we create a sound that like my meat sound, like my meat tube is making sounds right now that your uh, meat tube ears are understanding and processing. <laughs> I'm just saying as humans, we have a lot of meat tubes involved in our body. <laughs> Neither of us have uh, degrees in biology. Uh, <laughs> no, if you thought Quinn history assassin was bad, Quinn <laughs> science assassin be even worse. Like, can you uh, use a, a simple poison to kill this person? I'm like, mm, yes. Like, yeah, that would really clog up their meat tunnels. <laughs> yeah, their meat tunnels are going to be all discombobulated. They're like, she's excelled in one subject. <laughs> And its vocabulary. <laughs> Perhaps after this, I shall be lionized. <laughs> like she, she's failed every hit we put her on, but she throws out a nice word every now and then. It really reminds us that you know, digs a village. What is her secret? As you hide your word a day calendar in your back pocket, you'll never find out. I'm very surreptitious about this. <laughs> I reveal myself I don't know any big words I just keep mispronouncing them I'm like well I don't want to hyperbole here but I do believe that I might be the greatest assassin of all times what does she mean by hyperbole I don't know it must be some sort of really dangerous assassin term don't provoke her by calling her out on it It's just me trying to reload the day of the word of the day calendar on my phone. Come on, come on! They've heard all my goodness. I need another good one. Damn it! I knew I should have subscribed for more than one month. <laughs> I knew I should have given these guys two bucks. I just don't make enough job for my assassination job. I keep failing the assassination jobs, so I only get like. <laughs> Like the, the 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 office credits, basically. That's not a lot. So. Oh man, I gotta I gotta make another dummy account so I can get the free trial period. <laughs> Quinn at hyperbole dot com. Well, I hope they don't actually send a confirmation email this time. Oh. Oh man. All right. Um. Well, it's a good thing that we just start start talking about weird stuff because it's not a normal week of manga. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, some weird stuff this week, including a new series mm-hmm. uh, that has just debuted in Shonen Jump. We've had that quarterly period again. And uh, we'll get into that shortly, but uh, we've got some other stuff to do first. Uh, it's ramen cooking time Yeah, in, uh, in Undead Unluck. Uh, there's no My Hero Academia this week is off. And yes. Should be back this coming Sunday. Yes, there's no my hero, so we're gonna start off with Undead Unluck number 185. Eat up. So last time Fuko met Engine, 
challenged him to a cook-off because she thinks that his dish is missing something. Missing something that the previous Loops engine had discovered, so she wants to help him discover it. Uh, we open the chapter with Nico being like, Okay, so you ignored my advice and started a fight <laughs> with a professional ramen cooker. A professional ramen fight against a professional ramen cooker. Um, and it's a good thing that we've got Nico around here to constantly tell Fuko, all right, you ignored my advice. So, <laughs> so here's now we're here, and he's just like, all you've done is like picked a fight with him, and if he if we lose, he'll just be really pissed at us. Uh, and Fuko's just like words would have never really won him over, and he's like, are all these fucking people? Like, like fucking Neanderthals, does nobody just respond to words anymore? You had to beat them in a hospital match for a fucking ramen cook-off? Like, what is this? Um, he's eating a ramen, he's like, look, this is fine ramen, but this is nothing compared to what he had. Uh, but Fuko's like, no, we're gonna be fine. And we cut over, and we see basically the kids of the group are having a good yeah. time. They're they're all trying to cook. Gina's starting to spill some. So Chikara's like, oh no, I'm going to stop it. And Sean's like, oh, I'll get it. But he keeps closing his eyes to do it. So it, it, it's just very silly in general. Everyone being goofballs. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone very silly. But Fuko looks at it and she's reminded of her times of eating with, you know, eating with Andy and then the time she spent with Under and eating with them. Uh, so she just kind of laughs and watches along. And she's like, look, it's my turn to give back now. Let's use our ramen to reach Mr. Engine and inspire him to make it. Because they, they can't figure out what her, or rather, Nico is like, what is his dish missing? She, she's she's coy about that. So it's the day of the showdown. We not, we're not doing any nope. build up to it. We're here. Um, I mean, what, how much training montage can a non-cooking series do that's true. for a cooking manga competition? <laughs> that is very true. Uh, it'll become astronomically difficult to tell you which character is which now that they're all wearing the exact same headband. <laughs> so the, the tool of trying to identify characters based on their hairstyles is no longer effective. I believe Fort that is... Fortunately, Gina's got her fang. Yes, I can identify Gina. There's also only so many, like blonde right. women or light hair women in the group but the person next to him could either be sean rip uh or somebody else i feel like there's a third person i'm missing and i don't know who it's supposed to be it's irrelevant right. everybody's actually taking part in this competition as right. we'll see. so the rules are pretty simple both of them are just gonna cook ramen whoever sells the most wins and uh you know, engine's like, cool, fine by me. I'm going to give you guys everything I have. And, you know, you show me that something that I'm missing through the heart of your bowl. They begin the competition. And engine, we, we spend a lot of time. Shed, that's the other person that could have been. That's correct. Uh, we see, he, although he's buff, he's very buff. So I feel like I should be able to pick Shen out. I'm distracted. I'm sorry. Uh, it's okay. We, 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 we spend a lot of time with engine in this because he's there being like, I wonder what they're going to do. I mean, they got guts, but that's not anything. I mean, like, this is professional ramen cooking, which is what this uh, profession is called legally. Uh, everything matters, yeah. including the way yeah. you chop vegetables. I mean, guts matter when you're cooking, but they matter even more when you're eating. Mm -hmm. uh, so who's going to be chopping the vegetables, Nick? Who else than Unrepair? Uh, Rip is chopping up these vegetables and all the slices look so vibrant and so crisp. And Fuko just explained, she's like, look, 
it negates on unrepair negates the vegetable's ability to like close the fibers after they've been cut which means they maintain peak freshness we are going to use supernatural abilities to catch up with you because you are insanely talented and engine's like i have no idea what you're talking about but sounds good (laughs) (laughs) he's uh too much of a dummy it doesn't matter I, i i won't say he's too much of a dummy I think we we have like this once per arc where Foucault runs into somebody and has to explain what negator is. And they're like, I don't know what you mean, but, you know, sounds cool, I guess. <laughs> um, we see that she is using other members of her team to do things. Gina is using her unchanged to basically remove like the, the scum at the top to like kind of get like a very, I guess, clear broth. Uh, everyone's personal favorite, of course, is Yusai is told to use undraw so that the umami flavor doesn't get drawn from the pork and she's like i don't i don't know what i'm where's the umami and she's so it's like, right here she's it's, like, it's right here she's like here she's like where um and and it's just like okay so it seems like only the vegetable thing <laughs> that she really got right now but he's just like, look, I'm not going to cut any corners, you guys. He does a taste test. Uh, and then we cut over to Foucault talking to uh, Sean. And she's like, hey, I need you to get me something. We don't we don't find out what it is, but we know that his reaction is like, huh? Why do I have to buy something like that? And she's like, no, shh, don't say why. And she's like, all right, fine, I'll go get it. Um, the two of them are, I don't know what this process is in ramen where you kind of like shake the basket i'm not a professional ramen cooker as i believe it's to filter it is it to filter it but they both do it at the same time and it's 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 a very cool sort of parallel as fuko's saying you know it's your ramen that introduced me to the wonders of ramen and the sickest ingredient that you arrived at so we flash back to fuko's time and under in the previous loop and she is talking to engine she's just like hey you know i've been a shut-in for a while so i couldn't really call me like a gourmet or anything but that dish you just treated me to was really warm and he's like oh well there was ginger in her she's like no not like that (laughs) i just mean like i lost my mom and this felt like my mom made this dish so engine hops down from his his floating chair (laughs) and he says okay then well, let's just say I borrowed a teaspoon of your old lady's love. And he pats her on the head. And that, he's just kind of waves off and he's like, let's just say that is the secret ingredient. And let me know if you ever want it again. So we cut back to the present. Uh, Fuko is shouting out to Engine, and she just says, eating ramen is great, isn't it? They're, bo- <laughs> they're both in the thrill of competition, so they're like, fuck yeah it is, it's the coolest thing in the world anyone's ever going to do! Eating with everyone is bliss, this rules! This is why I became a cook. And he's, he's serving up his saying, he says, I didn't want to be the one eating, but the one making everyone happy. I wanted to serve them up these bowls. And he is serving up food ridiculously quickly. 50 orders of ramen at once. And it's his giant, like, overflowing bowls of ramen. And they're like, wow, that's really efficient. And he's like, yeah, the speed is part of this battle. You gotta serve the customers. Fastest option usually tends to be pretty good. Uh, And everyone's chowing down. They're like, fuck, 
It's really good. Like even Nico's like, damn, it's even better than the last time I had it. Like it's it's slightly more crisp even than before. Engine was not resting on his laurels no. while waiting for the competition. He was also training to get better. Yes. Uh, and Nico's just like, we don't stand a chance. But all of a sudden, they start seeing smoke coming out of the food stall that Fuko and company are running out of. And Engine's like, oh no, something, they, like, they, they must have just, like, not known what to do about something. So he's, he's running over, like, are you guys okay? And Fuko starts to emerge from this smoke. And she says, Mr. Engine, let me ask you a question. I know there's someone you really want to feed that ramen to. And he's like, I just told you, I want to serve it to everybody. And she's like, no, I mean the person you really want to feed this to. I made this ramen for you, the future you. And she is holding this bowl of ramen in front of her. And there is a dome of smoke contained over the top of it. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, how is this dome here? This is incredible. And, you know, bowls are starting to be served to people. And he's just like, I can tell. This is crazy. Her love for ramen is genuine. And he he lifts off the top this this dome, presumably an unchanged kind of barrier over the top of it. Right. But upon doing it, all this steam sort of like explodes from the bowl. And we end the chapter with Fuko saying, now then, eat up. Yeah, uh, this is a very weird little chapter. Uh, <laughs> it obviously brings back a little bit of the Food Wars vibes, you know, all this intense uh, competition over food. Uh, and like the, that shot of Fuko and Engine, you know, side by side, panel against panel of them being like, oh, eating ramen is great. It's like they're having a fist fight. Uh, it's there's so much intensity behind it. Uh, but also, I, this gives me a lot of like Doctor Stone kind of yeah. feeling, where it's just this really intense moment of like just a random thing that's individually probably not going to play very much into the overall plot beyond how it affects like a single character. Yeah. But it's still nice because of all this that's being put into it and how you know one more cog in the machine is is very valued for what it's going to accomplish in that sense. Uh, so this is, you know, proven to be a nice little aside uh, for what it is for right now. Yeah, I think there are a lot of really strong moments in this chapter. I think we both had uh, a strong reaction to the the little flashback where she's just like, this food's really warm. It's like my mom made it. And he's like, well, let's just say that's a secret ingredient, a teaspoon of your mom's love. And it's like, oh, that's very sweet. Just a reminder that Fuko's like, oh, I'm like an orphan <laughs> at this point. That sucks. Um, but being able to taste that that food again is is very enriching, and just like the way uh, I was about to say, food wars, uh, the way that Undead Unluck jumps from genre to genre so frequently is always just very satisfying. Like I'm going to get excited in a hospital drama, I'm going to get excited in a cooking competition, I'm going to get excited in a boxing match. Like ah, it's all it's all cool. Some of it than others, but this so far has been pretty fun, and I'm curious mm. to see what sort of the the main trick to all of this is absolutely uh let's go on to blue box ba, 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 blue box yeah, my phone seems to be ready for that too it just booped at me all <laughs> right chapter 127 kiss me goosebumps Ugh. so uh we 
are now past the sports festival uh, that has been for the last few chapters. And uh, all of a sudden, we're back at Batman Club stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, as it's announced, who are going to be the members for the singles division? Uh, and that's going to be Nishida, the captain. How are you? Of course. Taiki, duh. Go! Go! Uh, a couple of guys who are so NPCs that we don't see their faces. John, Jacob. Like, sure. And Jingleheimer Schmidt. <laughs> Jingleheimer Schmidt, you earned your way on here. You were an alternative last year, you earned your journey. He's like, uh, coach, you spelled Jingleheimer Schmidt wrong? And they're like, look, kid, they charge us per letter, okay? We had to cut a couple letters out for you. Oh, I'm sorry, I got you mixed up with the other Jingleheimer Schmidt. His name is your name, too. <laughs> Put that one away. Put that on the old trophy case. <laughs> oh, man. That is so fucking stupid, but I love that. Anyway, the actual other person who chapter got is in. Chapter done, Nick. Who cares? Okay. <laughs> this chapter recaps can We don't have time for any of this teenage love. We don't have any time for this cutesy teenage love drama. <laughs> we peaked. Fuck, that was really funny. <laughs> Uh, Haruto is the last person who is, is going to get to participate in singles uh, for for the club. Uh, and he gets uh, he gets pretty happy with himself. He's like, oh, hey, hey, now I get to show you what I'm really made of. And talking to Taiki about it. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone's a little bit you know, hyped over like, hey, you know, all these new members have been declared. And uh, Ayame uh, says like, yeah, I've, I've, I should up my game, you know, like, you know, I'm going to do that. And, and Kyo's like, Oh, you, you you sound like you're excited as like a player. And she says, Well maybe I could play on the girls' Batman team. And he's like, even though you can barely serve. Oh just immediately shoots her down. And so she gets a little upset with him, but then she remembers the time that he grabbed her hand during the sports festival and she and instead she just goes <laughs> turns away from him. Yeah. So teenagers, you know. Uh, the rhythmic gymnastics club is practicing. Hina is doing a routine. The the manager is like, oh, yes, wonderful, yes, good, <laughs> so good, so good. Uh, and uh, then she catches Taiki, you know, passing by with his team, and she points to us like, ah, spectator fee, two thousand yen. Uh, you know, calling back to the thing that she did at like the yeah. very start of the manga. But then also Haruto is right next to him and she says, and for you, 15,000 yen. <laughs> Which, fair enough, given the comment that he made before. And, my boy, like, you're going to need to be able to put, you're going to need to be able to put a cap on this thing. Because he's like, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, I'm sorry for the way I talk. And then he just can't help himself. Immediately, gaze starts drooping downwards yeah. at the skin-tight outfit. And, uh, he he gets bonked for it. Uh, yeah, so. uh, the rhythm, the ribbon gets uh, the hard part of the ribbon that you hold yes. gets thrown right into his head. It'd be very impressive if she managed to bonk him with the ribbon part. Yeah, of it. Uh, <laughs> throws it and perfectly wraps around his neck and starts strangling ah! him. Then <laughs> uh, we also cut over to Chinatsu. They're they're holding a practice match uh, with the basketball club. 
and they're you know getting like serious about it, going over like weaknesses with their coach and everything. And uh, her friend uh, says, "Yeah, my friend had a had a practice match against Saisho, and uh, they're like really tough because Yumika is on their team now." She is like back up to top form already. It's like she never missed a step. Uh, it's like, and as also, it's like the entire team is leveled up because of her. And uh, Chinata says, I see, gives me goosebumps. And uh, she, she's, you know, just like kind of quietly excited about this. And uh, then we go, we follow her afterwards. She kind of like practices by herself outside. And uh, Yumika comes by uh, while she's practicing her shots. And uh, she's like, huh, you're practicing as hard as ever, huh? And she's like, yeah, you've been working hard too, I guess. And uh, Yumika says, yeah, thank you. I'm I'm glad I'm playing basketball again. Just this you know, nice little smile on her face. And she also says, you know, I, I kind of regret the time that I missed because of that, I can focus way harder now, and it's all thanks to the two of you, Chinatsu. Aww. Yeah, it's very, very sweet. And uh, Chinatsu just says, hey, you know, the fact that you're playing again makes me really happy. Uh, and uh, Yumika kind of dribbles the ball a little bit, and she says, hey, do you remember how we would used to practice here when we were little kids? Uh, when, you know, our teammates were being bitches to you. <laughs> just being... The fucking awful little kids about it. Uh, and Chance is like, no, that wasn't why we practiced here. We would do it when the coach got mad at you. <laughs> uh, and, but Yumika says, you know, even though we've always been friends, soon we're going to be enemies. That's called being rivals. It's, it's, it's a shonen thing. It's... You're in a shonen. I know you've been in a in a cutesy manga this whole time, Chinatsu, but you're in a shonen. I'm sorry. It's a sports manga. So uh then we cut to a different scene. There's a lot of jumping around in this chapter. Uh and to a conversation between Nishida and Haru. And uh Nishida's like, Oh, what what did the teacher want to talk to you about? Because Haru's coming back from that and says, Oh yeah, uh, he wanted to ask about my career path questionnaire. Mm because they're both third years, of course, in their last year of high school. And Nishida says, by golly, <laughs> I hate thinking about the future. And uh, Nishida's like, I mean, you know, you could, you could like have a little bit of a sense of the future. You're, you're you know, going to be 18 soon. And she's like, I can't believe we're already third years. By golly. He's <laughs> like, you keep on saying by golly. You sound like an old man. Well, yeah, but like, think about it. Everything we do in school from now on, it's going to be the last time we do it. And that actually really gets to Haru. And he just paused for a second and goes, oh, by golly. <laughs> what <is laughs> These so dorks. It, it, it is a skill of a good writer, though, to take this conversation and put a fun um, sort of twist into it. Or not twist, but like a fun gimmick to it. To make yeah. this conversation interesting, because it's could have just been two characters who sit there and are like, "Hey, we're both third years. Everything we do is gonna be the last thing." Wow, crazy! I do like the 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 gimmick of "by golly" and like sound like an old man yeah. and being like, "Damn, by golly!" This is the most human that Nishida has ever seemed to. Yeah, well, he's not he's not cock blocking anyone actively in this scene, so 
Just think, how are you? This is going to be the last year I'm going to get to complain about everyone else having a girlfriend yeah. and not me. <laughs> this will be the last year that I keep people from being with their significant <laughs> others during the holidays because I'm alone. <laughs> oh, man, I hope I get to be the captain of a club in college so I can keep on screwing over more people. <laughs> Uh, then, uh, Taiki and Haruto have a practice match, uh, and, uh, Taiki is, thinks about something and realizes that he needs to improve his skills, and so he asks Haruto, hey, can you teach me, like, that trick shot that you do? Uh, because I figure if I learn it, it would make me a stronger player. But Haruto says, I mean, I could, but you should have Hyodo teach it to you. Because I think that the ideal style of play for you is similar to Hyodo's. Mm, that's an interesting little nugget. Mm. Uh, speaking of Hyodo, Akari comes by, and uh, she's you know she she's passing by. Taiki is like, should I should should I try t- t- talking to him? Um, so she works up her nerve uh, and say, uh, Inamata Senpai, uh, could you would you come over this weekend? She and it, it, they they don't clarify it enough. Maybe she screams this like there are she, people behind her that have like the the water droplets of like this is awkward. <laughs> You're saying uh, this really really loud. And both Taiki and Haruto look at her like, uh, huh? <laughs> what are you doing here? And she says, No, 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 no. Uh, I was planning to practice with my big bro, and so I figured I should ask you. And Haruto says, yeah, why don't we go? Why why do the two of us go, Taiki, senpai? Because, you know, nothing's going to beat instruction from a guy who's already been to nationals. Uh, And Taiki's like, oh, so you're coming too? And, like, Akari was, like, I guess not expecting this. Which makes sense. She did ask Taiki, so. Yeah, she asked Taiki, but she asked him right next to another member of the, the badminton team, so... It, it understandably he is like oh the offer is for everyone who is right here which is also me right. <laughs> also maybe afterwards we can go stare at stare at Hida because she wears tight outfits sometimes and I like that so you need to stop you need to stop talking <laughs> you you're really digging yourself a hole you're giving yourself a new gimmick um <laughs> it's not a good one uh I, I also like the chapter ends with Taiki like Oh, instruction from Hyodo. He just got told he's like, he plays a lot like Hyodo. Now he's like almost like a little Hyodo oh. struck. He's like, oh, I could see Hyodo senpai, really? Oh, mm. my. Yeah. Be a good Batman player? Wow. <laughs> uh, fun chapter. A lot of like goofy, silly stuff going on. There's some good jokes. Just like stuff to laugh about. And then also like mm, some stuff to ponder. Very sweet moments with Chinatsu. And uh, oh, gosh, what's her name? I want to say Andy. Yumika? Yeah. Yumika. Uh, I think I was thinking of her team for a moment, and then I realized, no, that's Chinatsu's team. Uh, (laughs) But that's a very cute moment, the moment with Haruto and Nishida. Like, just good stuff. Or not Haruto. What's his name? Fuck, I forget every character. Haru. Haru. There's too many H's, Nick. There's too many H's in this goddamn series. Kyoto, Haruto, Haru. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but good uh, stuff. Hinatsu, Haiki, uh, <laughs> Hingleheim, yo, 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 Hingleheimer, Schmidt, all the all the classics. <laughs> and now we've nightly nicely put a bow on that. Uh, yeah, Nick, right, yeah. can we talk very briefly about Spy Family, which only had 
four pages, three pages, three pages of content this yeah. week. Um, yeah, this is one of those like special illustration chapters that's you know just kind of like off weeks for for the series. Uh, very sad like illustrations, just like Anya in like an empty house. It looks like yeah. Um, but the uh, chapter itself, you know, it begins innocently enough. It's a flashback to really early on in the story. So, like, Anya has, like, just enrolled uh, at Eden Academy. Uh, but she's, you know, watching cartoons and she sees, like, a, you know, a little name sign on, on someone on a character's door. And she's like, I want one of those name things in my room. And they're like, yeah, okay. Uh, and they, like, let Anya, like, carve out her name herself. But when she puts it down, it's spelled A-N-I-A. Which of course is not how her name is spelled. It's spelled A N Y A, and her and Lloyd points this out to her, and Anya just kind of gets this blank look on her face for saying, "Oh, okay." Yeah. And so, so they fix it, and then the last page is just yeah, she's got her new name sign, which is you know has been showing up you know th- throughout the story since then. She's got her little stuffed lion guy, and she's just lying on her bed. And she just says Anya, and it's, so it's, cute. it's very like oh right. Remember how Anya was like not treated as a little girl for like <laughs> the first four years of her life, as far as we know. So yeah, there's maybe a bit of like pent up trauma in there still. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one thing that I guess was noted is that um, one of the ways it was read in Japanese was not like A-N-I-A. It was read like A-N slash A. Mm-hmm. And like, oh, Anya, a child, just interpreted the slash as like a weird I or whatever. Or, you know, it could have been read maybe as a one. It, it's just one of those things of like, mm, maybe Anya means something different to her originally. And now it's very cute because she's like, oh, no, it's my name. And I know my name, how it's spelled now. And I love just like seeing her eyes go from like clueless to being so full of life. It's just a very, very cool visual thing. But weirdly in this chapter that is three pages long and is mostly a special illustration, you're like, oh, there might be deeper lore implications in this chapter than there have been for Anya in like 30 fucking chapters or so. Like this is this right. is maybe the most we've gotten for her in quite some time. Yeah, there's were definitely hints that like, you know, she's some sort of, you know, experimental uh, person being because of her psychic abilities and stuff. But it has not been explored really since her introduction at all. Yeah. So, mm. OK, uh, it's time. It's time for the chapter that's going to require deep analysis. Uh-huh. So much deep analysis. The analysis that this sucks. This is chapter 266 of Eden Zero, Soldier of Love. What a dumb title. Uh, so we do get a two-page color spread, which is actually kind of nice because the colors used are like fun, exciting colors. Um, there is still just the general nature that Hero's character designs are kind of bad, but I would not hate to look at this color uh, spread in comparison to a lot of the other ones. But we actually had to get to the chapter itself, which is uh, Mother is floating in space. And Rebecca and Chiki. I wish that was what we were talking about instead. Could could we review Mother, the song instead by, what was it, Wolf Guy? No. (laughs) That's the manga. (laughs) (laughs) What's the name? 
name of that mob, the, the musician? Isn't it like wolf something? Da- isn't it like Danzig? I thought there was a wolf in there somewhere. Mother song. Okay, Danzig. Yeah, Danzig. Yeah. Why do I think there's a wolf in there? Maybe is the I album called like Wolf Something? Did I, I just don't ca- know, Quinn? <laughs> Did I culture this out of nothing? Um, off their debut album, Danzig. I have no idea where Wolf came in. Regardless, uh, I would rather talk about Brother, I remember when you called me Wolfgang. <laughs> I remember when my mother was a wolf. <laughs> um, so, oh, Wolf Mom! <laughs> wolf Mom! That's why, Nick, I'm thinking of the old classic song, Wolf Mother. <laughs> Where he just adds wolf in front of a couple different nouns. Um... So stupid. Uh, so they see Mother and they're like, wow, she's so beautiful. This is so magical. But Cheeky's like, yeah, but there's a bad guy here, too. And I had to stop and boom, he starts fighting. And at this point, you realize, huh, I have no knowledge of a single character trait of voids. Like, none. No, of course not. He's. I don't think he's really talked. No, I don't think he's really done anything. He's basically been talked about. That's kind of it. So he's just like, no, as long as Mother exists, our world would never be complete. Therefore, I must destroy her. And Cheeky's like, why do you hate humans so much? And Void doesn't even give a reason. He's like, they are foolish. Like, whatever. There's there's so nothing to this chapter and any of the discussion that is absolute that is actually had. Uh so basically they start punching each other. Void's gonna kill all the people. Shiki doesn't want it. And Shiki's like, well, who are you? And he's like, I am Void, the will of Eden's One. Because it would have been cool and actually interesting to have Shiki fight the giant ship. So instead, we just made a person-sized thing that he could fight instead in its place. And I look suspiciously like Ziggy, too, so I don't even really need to think of a different design for this guy. Uh, But Shiki is like, no, my grandpa built the Eden's One. Grandpa would have never wanted a war against (sighs) humans. And he's like, oh, but the one had AI. And the AI decided Ziggy was wrong. Humans are bad. And he's like, why? That's that's why did he come to that conclusion? And he's like, because blood and and war. Humans cause that. And she's like, only some humans. Not all humans. (laughs) Uh, and he punches Void, and he's like, no, sometimes we support each other, and we cherish our time together, and we love and are loved in return. That's what it means to be human. And Void's like, love! Love is what breeds hatred! Love is what creates war! (laughs) It's so stupid. Um, I... Sometimes when we read in Zero... I, I I do feel like did Hero actually write this or did he give it to like an AI to write the dialogue? It's it's just the most generic good guy versus bad guy dialogue. I it there is nothing unique about what they are saying to either character. Yeah. And you were just talking about how it's like we don't know a single thing about Void. 
and we still don't because like this we don't know anything about him beyond he's a bad guy in a hero series now that's it yeah i mean there's there's not even like a base level of interest his his motivation is uh humans suck i guess because war happens and they're such silly people um but first and foremost, this is the same conversation Shiki has had for like two years now with his antagonist. Mm-hmm. I think like since Shura, basically, we've had like, oh, here's an antagonist with an actually different motivation. That's not just kill all the humans. Um, now it's just, you know, year two of hearing this speech of like, what about love? Uh, and it's very exhausting. But um, even more than that, uh, it's just just so devoid of any detail. Like, why does Void hate humans? It's like, uh, because they're bad. And what does he specifically hate about humans? What would be better if they weren't around? He's like, fight. Fight would not be or whatever. Like, there's just nothing to his motivation whatsoever. Uh, but it's fine because he's stronger than Shiki in a way that is only established here and right now. He is more powerful than Shiki. He uses his gravity powers and Shiki's like, ah, oh, I'm hurt. Uh, and he's like, oh, I'm the will of the universe. And again, what does that mean? Uh, he, he traps Shiki in gravity surrounded by chains. Shiki's like, oh, no. Rebecca tries to fly in. He like pushes her away. And Shiki's like, don't worry, I'll be fine. He uses overdrive. And he's like, now I'm going to defeat you. And I'm going to use my strongest attack, a punch. Uh, and Void's like, no, I'm a robot, thus perfect. No human could surpass me. And they punch. Uh, and Shiki comes out on the losing end. It looks like Void is going to uh, destroy him using uh, a Dragon Ball Z attack. Uh, but who should show up, Nick? But Ziggy, and Ziggy punches him in the face, and Void is like, what? And Ziggy's like, don't worry, Shiki, I'll take care of him. You know, the voice that you've been using to read this is pretty much perfect for what this guy thinks. Oh, and then, and then, oh, uh. <sighs> it's, it, this is a bad chapter. I know we talk about how Eaton Zero is bad every single week, um, but this is like, a special level of bad which is uh intensely nothing if you did yeah. tell me that he just had an ai generate this script um i would not be surprised but also i feel like an ai would put something in or something like it it's astonishing just how uninspired this the, the dialogue in this chapter is i don't know maybe it sounds beautiful in japanese and everyone's like ah oh, it's lost in translation you don't understand the weight of their arguments uh but this this sucked dick that um, humans are good and not bad yeah they love nick it's like not even details not even like an example of a human loving each other or something like right. that he's just like sometimes we enjoy the company of each other like, sounds right. very sounds very empty when he says it like that, and it's not like Shiki doesn't have many personal examples to draw from that you can talk about, like you know the benefits of you know humanity and the feeling of love and stuff, because you know that's kind of like the big theme of the series is that like family and yeah. friendship and stuff are more powerful than like 
universal forces. So maybe he could like talk about some of those, but no, we have to have really generic punchy fights instead. And then Ziggy shows up and is like, all right, Ziggy's a good guy for right now. Uh, it makes me long for the days when we had chapter ending flashback pages. Like, this <laughs> is. <laughs> Uh, okay. okay. Hold, hold on a second. I got a, a notification that OBS crashed, but it looks like it's still running on my end. Okay. Um, Are we still? Uh, okay. Hang on. Let me check. It says it's now reconnected. Okay. Yeah. The chat is uh, reacting, uh, saying that. Uh, so it seemed like we disconnected. Sorry, guys. Okay, I can see myself. It's back. All right, we're good. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know what that was. Uh, something. A brief hiccup. A brief hiccup in the streamification yeah. of the of the of the podcast. Uh, but we're back. Uh, Ian Zero was bad, and uninspired. Moving on. <laughs> it's Cipher Academy, Chapter Fifty. Tight-lipped when questioned, capable of destroying castles when speaking freely. All right, go off. <laughs> uh, it's uh, continuing the virtual academy uh, arc as uh, we see that Aroha uh, is in handcuffs and is being interrogated by two decky eyes. Uh, he recaps uh, a bit of off-screen action that has been taking place with his group. He says that uh, the four people that were left on the Mahjong floor realized that if they tied... Uh, that they would be able to all get first place and thus all be able to progress together. Uh, and they went through a couple of floors and eventually actually like split up in order to, quote, allocate risk. So he and Ensa separated from the other two and then eventually came across Obero, who is on the karaoke floor, <laughs> I guess. Uh, and... We pull back and see that uh, the two decky eyes that are interrogating him are, of course, like good cop, bad cop. Uh, and they're on floor 100. It does seem as though there's like something special about uh, the hundreds uh, because this is a different sort of puzzle to solve than just solving a code of some kind. So... They say, look, I want, what I want to know is whether or not you killed Waon Wagure Nas Nagusa, uh, which was the name of the dead student way back during the murder mystery challenge that they had for the selection exam. And so I said, look, okay, all your accomplices are experiencing the same situation in their own interrogation rooms. And so good cop, Dekiai says, uh, you all have the right to remain silent. But you can also betray your allies in order to try and get your sentence reduced. So the penalty for uh, everybody keeping quiet is that they all receive a, quote, 12 hour sentence, which means that they have to just sit tight on the floor for that amount of time. However, if one person betrays the other two, they get to skip ahead 120 floors and the others receive 48 hour sentences. If two people betray, then there's no bonus skip ahead, but the person who didn't get betrayed gets a sentence of 36 hours, and then if all of them betray each other, then they're all there for 24 hours. They double the sentences if they no one had talked. So, it's a pretty straightforward prisoner's dilemma 
type of thing, except that there are some like really, really, really good benefits from betraying your comrades mm -hmm. uh, if you're the only one to do it. So uh, they all of them kind of like have this flashback to when one of their teachers that I don't think we've actually ever seen before uh, was explaining like the idea of the prisoner's dilemma and game theory and stuff. Yes. And, and so they're trying to figure out what they should do in this case. And so Iroha uh, is like, okay, yeah, it would be advantageous for both people to remain silent, but logically it actually makes the most sense to be a traitor. And Ensa's like, yeah, but we aren't prisoners. We're the Irohazaka League. Uh, and Obra's like, yeah, we've been allied all the way since the Cassettet Quartet when they, you know, dumped their puzzles out together. Yeah. So, you know, their bonds do go way back. Uh, but Obra's like, but you could also say as a result of that, that it'd be easy to betray them at this point because of that. Uh, and we, before we see how that resolves, uh, we jump away to a different floor, the kitchen floor where uh, some other students are cooking up codes. Uh, they're, uh, hey, you know... Nick, let's put some respect on Quoka Edishite's mouth uh, name. Quoka, uh, the bear one. Uh -huh. uh, it's like, yeah, uh, things have been pretty easy since the interrogation room, but having to hibernate for 12 hours sure was boring. <laughs> Did you just say, you hibernate? I thought you were in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> The line between girl and bear is very yeah. difficult to see. It's very faint. But they point out, like, yeah, we were able to, like, unify our minds because of our instructor. Their instructor specifically was the one who taught the game theory class. But they're like, yeah, but what about the people who, you know, came after us? Do you think that they were able to actually get through that? And Quoka says, what about that amateur? Talking about Iroha. It's like, well, if he hasn't grown since the trilemma, it could be tough. If he can only read people when looking at their faces, he won't have a move to make if he's isolated in an interrogation room. So, oh, this could, you know, really play into, you know, good. This could be a huge setback for Iroha. What are we going to do? Um, Ansa and Iroha are, are, you know, going over the options, really pondering them. And Obero's like, look, the incentive to incriminate is really, really powerful. This would be a good opportunity for people who like us who you know are way behind because there were people who started at like floor 200 so this is a big opportunity here uh the good dekiai uh says tiroha kind of like reading his mind like oh it'd be elementary if i just reset after i'm put into custody but yeah you don't have that option you, you have to stay under house arrest in this situation. You can't even escape the simulation while you're doing it. Uh, and Iroha realized, like, oh, man, that's that's bad. Just, like, having, like, that kind of sensory feedback loop for that amount of time, that'd, like, really fuck with you to yeah. have to go through that. Uh, uh, so, and it's just like, yeah, and, like, you know, sitting around for 12 hours would also put a huge gap between our groups. The people who are ahead of us are going to get further ahead of us, and we're not going to have as much of a chance to catch up. But Obra's like, on the other hand, if you skip a bunch of floors, it's a good chance to catch up with them. It's a chance to catch up with Toshisai. Uh, observation team makes some, you know, 
peanut gallery comments about it, but honestly, I don't think they even say anything important. Yeah. So I'm going <laughs> to skip it. <laughs> uh, but there, then we get a flashback to, you know, a conversation that Ensa and uh, Iroha had with Obro. I can't remember her name because she hasn't shown up in a long time. Yeah, I was going to say, this has not been a relevant character for quite some time. She's only really being brought up here because of that relation to Obero. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so uh, Iroas brought up to her, like, how real is the private information that's listed here? Uh, And he shows her the character sheet that he got about her because he was playing her in the murder mystery game. Uh, and so Obro looks over and is like, well, I assume that all this was made up by Kagoe, excluding the fact that I was an XPOW, an escaped convict, and I'm currently a fugitive. That's true. And uh, the other one also says, like, yeah, my info is different, but it is kind of similar. Uh, and she says she's got a bunch of bail and penalties that she's got to pay off, and that's what she would use the morgue to for, basically. Uh and they say while striking a dorky pose together. <laughs> the one in a series of really wild poses, this is one of the dorkiest ones. It's crazy. Uh Ubits uh God, it's it's right here and I've already forgotten it. It's like Ubitsume. She says, Living for a dream is super emo, but you should remember that there are also people like us who have no control over our own realities. It's like, yeah. Yeah, it's nice that you know, it's like you've got this big grand dream stuff. Some people's like, look, I got, pay- I got debt to pay off, man. <laughs> I got, I need this. Um, so they're kind of like left to contemplate, like, look, Oprah's coming from a different place than we are. So what's she gonna do? And we get some flashbacks from Oprah's perspective right after she says, "This isn't a choice. It's code murder." <laughs> But, you know, she just thinks about, like, a bunch of times that, like, you know, she worked together with that group uh, and all of its different members and stuff. And time is up for everyone. And they say, one person talked. Obro was the one who talked. And uh, so Obro's handcuffs are taken off. She thinks to herself, it's nothing personal. And, uh, but then the the bad cop, Dekiai, says, don't pretend like you're shocked. You must have known that this was going to happen. And Iroha says, yeah, I knew that this was going to happen. I didn't even need to see Obro's face. She confessed that she committed the crime all on her own. She she sacrificed herself for it. And we get like a reminder of the XPOW uh, thing, which is like, I spent a year in prison for a crime I didn't commit. And so she's just willing to put herself through that. And as a result of taking the penalty... Uh, her sentence is 72 hours, which is <sighs> try spending two and a half days doing one thing. Guys. It's going <laughs> to be mind crushing to do that. Um, but I do like that very specifically the motivation becomes if it cleared the dungeon, though, in that time, then yeah. Obro gets out. Yeah, so Ensa and Iroha are allowed to progress ahead. Not only that, but because of Obro's sacrifice, they're allowed to skip the next 60 floors. So it's 120 floors uh, for one person, but instead it's reversed and split between the two of them. And then they say, like, yeah, look, if we can clear the dungeon in less time, then we'll get Obro-san freed from that. 
and it'll be okay. And so the two of them rush on ahead after going through an elevator and they've got the spirits of Obro and Uitsume behind them. It's like, oh, it's so it's, cute. And you're like, I Mitsubame. mean, Umitsubame didn't do anything. I am not actually here. <laughs> She's not here. Why I'm she? fine. My will travels with you. Who are you? <laughs> Yeah, I remember the sacrifice we made. <laughs> yeah, this was like a joint thing. In a way, we're both suffering through 72 hours in prison, except that I'm not. I'm at home. I'm probably chilling right now. I'm actually having a great time. But overall, it sounds like things are pretty rough for they're all holding hands, though. It's very cute, and they're, they're it's, yeah. it's it's just a nice little reminder, of like, oh yeah, this this was like the first like actual alliance in the show. Now that we've got all this team stuff going on, it was just nice to have a little reminder of that. Yep, it's good, good stuff, fun little prisoner dilemma stuff. But Nick, you know what I really, really love? Oh man, my I... green, green, greens. It's gonna be an easy title to remember. I'll give it that much. It's my favorite <laughs> level in Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah it's a new series uh tee off is the chapter one uh title and it's a golf manga guys and we get uh, a brief shot of a uh, japanese player haku yesaki rising to the challenge in the masters tournament <gasps> what well before we get to that we have to see Something from way long ago before this, presumably. I assume that it didn't, he didn't like just turn around and like join his master's tournament within like two weeks or something like that. I hope not. Um, it's, uh, we start off with Haku, who is a second year in high school. And uh, he's just, you know, hanging out with uh, some friends like while they're like attending swimming class. And he talks about, hey, did you know that like Floyd Mayweather earns 96 million yen every time he throws a punch? And like, wow, man, it'd be great to get rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they, they're talking about stuff. Uh, he's got a friend named Takato who is like a, who's a big like baseball star at the school. And uh, Haku's like, oh, you've got like, you know, a scout coming to check you out, right? You're so cool. You're so cool. Uh uh, and so, you know, they're they're talking about like sports and, and being good at sports and stuff. Uh, but as they're getting set to dive, uh, you know, he's talking about like, oh, you know, if you get as good, be as good as Shinjiro Otani, you you could earn like 400,000 yen a pitch. Uh, and as they're taking off into the water, someone comments, how stupid can you get? And Haku, like, for whatever reason, knows that they're talking about him. He, he, he reacts to it as they dive into the water. Uh-huh. Uh, so he thinks to himself like look there's always like someone like better than me uh so it's not even worth really trying basically that's that seems to be a big part of his attitude that is at the start of the story uh we get a very obvious tell of who made the right comment because there's just a shot of a girl who has not spoken prior to this who is to the size like ah i wonder who made the comment <laughs> um talk uh Haku gets called to the faculty room along with a girl named Oga, who is said girl that we saw in the swim class. And uh, so they're they're called off and they're like, why are the two of them being called off together? And Haku is like, oh, man, they found out about our secret romance. She does not think that that's funny. So she's like, that's not funny. Fuck you. <laughs> it's like, I'm just, I'm just I'm just kidding. So 
the two of them have been called in because, hey, second time this week we're talking about career path questionnaires. Hey, isn't that a great thing? It's kids being interrogated about how they're going to spend the rest of their lives when they're 16 years old. Isn't it a wonderful bit of stress to induce on someone? Oh, boy. Uh, but Haku just says, like, yeah, I guess I'll just be like, a, I'll just be a college student or something like that. He doesn't really know what he wants to do. He's like, yeah, I'll just be a student or whatever. So, you know, the the uh, counselor that was called him in is like, I mean, are you sure about this? Because if you, like, apply, you could get into, like, a really good college and you could you know do something you really want to do and Haku just says eh, I'm fine with just taking it easy bye meanwhile Oga who's also, who's been called in uh, is like no I know what I want to do she's talking to a different counselor and she says are you are you sure you want to do that and she's like look are you saying I should be more prepared to compromise you know on my life and she's really intense about it and Haku sticks around while he's overhearing this and sees that she is really dead set on going to the United States. Uh, and uh, when he sees this, he like makes a comment like, oh, howdy. He's like, shut up. Just like him. <laughs> so uh, then Haku goes and you know hangs out with his friends some. Uh, he's with like a small group of them, but two of them split off because like one of them is like, oh, I've got to go and do a stuff. I've got to go study for for this thing i've got to go work on on that thing uh so it's just left between haku and the friend that he was racing with before the baseball club ace takato so they go to a restaurant together they're hanging out a bit and haku just says like hey you know when you become a big superstar i'm gonna be so proud of you i'll tell everyone like yeah that guy is my best friend he's so good and takato's like you know you're the reason like i started playing because, you know, we would we used to, you know, play together all the time. We were playing until it got really late. And, you know, you had a real good arm. You were you, you were probably better than me. And Haku's like, nah, it's, it's not true. And just kind of, like, mumbles off and rejects that. And so they part ways, go home for the night. And he thinks to himself, like, you know, everyone's, like, finding out what they want to do. Everyone's growing up. Uh, but he's like, I don't really want to do anything. You know, I, I'm just I'm just like, you know, OK, with taking it easy and everyone else has all this motivation going on. Uh, then he spots. <laughs> it's funny because, like, usually in stories like this, there is a bully. But in this case, it's um, someone who wants to sue the high school student who <laughs> definitely has lots of money. <laughs> oh, you you scuffed up my car. No, I clearly did not. I did not do that. The height of the scratch is different from the height I carry my bags at, and I had the cloth end facing the road. That is not caused by me. You're definitely lying. Oh, how dare you lie to me? I'm an adult. I will assault you in public. <laughs> so it's Oga, and uh, she's carried a bag with her and uh, was is accused of this. Haku gets in the way uh, to protect her from the slap uh, with his face. What a hero. He takes the slap instead. Yeah. And so the woman leaves them alone. Uh, and then afterwards, like, Oga's like, all right. And, you know, kind of like, kind of like bandages up him up. And, and uh, it's like, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, then they kind of like, we peel back because basically she just took him where she was going anyway which was a driving range for golf. Uh, he was like, oh, you play golf? Isn't golf like an old person game or something? Uh, I, it's kind of weird that for a kid to have it as a hobby. And Oga says, it's not a hobby. 
she's obviously very serious about this. Uh-huh. So she's like, look, thanks. Take care of yourself on your way home. But Huck is like, can I watch you practice? No. <laughs> she just does not want anything to do with it. Like, no, go away. Uh, this is no. like peace time. Don't be weird. This is not... This is not a meat cue. Go away. <laughs> He's like, huh? Kind of felt like a meat cute. Uh, so he's just, you know, hangs back, you know, and watches practice. She goes and gets changed into her special golf clothes. Uh, and she's, he wonders, like, oh, I wonder how far she can, like, actually, like, hit it. Uh, and he watches, you know, some old guy next to her. Oh, he got the ball to a 220 yard marker. That's 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 great. I bet a girl like her won't even make it to the back net. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, and it's a very well, it, there's a lot of really nice motion in the artwork, just showing the golf club moving in this big swift arc. Uh, and Oga's kind of like disappointed in herself when uh, she only hits the 240 yard mark. Uh, so clearly easier, better than the guy, but, uh, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Haku says, are you trying to be a pro golfer? And I was like, why do you ask me? And he says, well, the way you hit the ball is like different. It flew really far. And like, I don't know a lot about golf, but I, even I can tell like, you've got a beautiful swing. And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to be a pro. Oh, is that why you want to be go to America? Shut the fuck up. Don't talk about you don't know you don't know anything about my life. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> so Haku kind of goes into the same boat that he does with Takato, being like, Oh, I'm rooting for you. Well, I you're I I'll, I hope you become the next Tiger Woods and you and, and everyone is going to know your name. I heard that you know when Tiger Woods golf clubs were auctioned off they sold for 650 million yen. Uh I I I wonder if your clubs would be just as valuable and Oga just kind of stares at him and she holds the golf club out to him and says, "You want to try? Why don't you give it a shot?" I couldn't do it. She does it with such a tenacity. She's like, no, do it. It might be, end it. up being worth $600 million. And so, of course, he takes a swing, can't even hit the ball. He, you know, he's not holding his body in the right positions. And and so he's like, oh, uh, I uh, guess I missed. Do it again. Do it again. And so he goes for the ball and he, he can't hit it. And he's like, I, 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 why, why can't I hit it? And eventually he manages to knock the ball like, I don't know, 10 yards. Yeah. He managed to knock it off the tee. It's like, ah, I, I hit it. Was that easy? It took you seven tries to just graze the ball. You claim Tiger Woods clubs were valuable because they'd been used. You don't understand the effort and the devotion that went into them. His eight irons grooves were completely worn out. That is why they're priceless to his fans. <laughs> and if there's anything you can say about Tiger Woods, Nick, devote it. <laughs> In every aspect of his life, (laughs) devotion is what drives him. Yeah. When I think of Tiger and devotion and driving, this is what I think about. (laughs) Uh, But she just ethers this kid. (laughs) just goes in on him hard. She is a sniper who has been studying her target. (laughs) And she says, you just say stuff like, I, I wish I could do that. 
but you don't understand what other people's abilities actually are compared to your own. Your only way of measuring things is to equate them to money. That guy's awesome. That guy's a genius. You don't understand why people are incredible. You're just jealous of how good they are at stuff. And because you have nothing to offer, you revel in other people's accomplishments so you can feel like you're somebody special. I hate you. Jesus. Just the hardest <laughs> I have seen someone go on someone else in a long time. And Haku's like on the verge of tears, it seems like, uh, uh, for, for a second. And then she's like, all right, I'm going home. Just leaving the practice alone. <laughs> I'll t- catch you later. Bye. See, See you at school tomorrow. Oh my God, we share a class together. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna run into you routinely from now on. But you know, he's you know obviously, obviously bothered by this uh, afterwards, uh, and he's like, "What the hell? Why did she say that? Just because I couldn't hit the fucking ball right?" Uh, his little siblings come in and are like, "Hey, you should play with us. You should tell us something cool." And Haku's like, all right, um, well, my friend Yuya's making a game. Uh, Takato's getting scouted. And then he realizes, I only ever talk about other people. Oga's, Oga's right. I don't have anything else to offer about myself. And so he sits up and he says, I want to talk about me. So wait right here and we'll talk later. And he just rushes off. And he heads back to the driving range. uh, And he's like, okay, golf's not like a super popular thing. So I'll practice. And this will be something I can tell people about myself that I do then. Yeah. And he's like, all right. So I'll I'll go. I'll do this. Like after I hit 100 balls, I'm sure they'll be hitting them consistently. (sighs) Oh, God, this is so harsh. Immediate (laughs) cuts. He he did hit the ball a hundred times, and uh, they were all bad. He, he has no idea what he's doing. Uh, so he looks at the club and he's like, "Is this thing just busted?" And uh, and then he realizes, like, "No, no, I haven't really hit the ball properly." And he looks at the grooves on how their scuff marks kind of like all over the place, not focused in any one place, and realizes, like, "Oh, the grooves on Tiger Woods' clubs were completely worn out because he hit them in the same spot over and over and over again consistently." Uh, so he just holds the club up and goes, Tiger Woods is amazing. And Oga's suddenly right next to him. She's like, shut up. Stop, stop, stop making noise. Uh, and she explains, yeah, I work here part time because then I get to use the range for free. Pretty good deal for her. Uh, so, uh, she, Hawker realizes that she was watching him play and she's like, yeah, I was watching you. You weren't really hitting the ball though. So look, I'll, I'll teach you. Uh, and she, you know, kind of like, Pushes him into right position, manipulates him a little bit by like, you know, tucking his shoulder just down a little bit. Obviously, it gets him kind of flustered, but honestly, she's touching him very clinically and like trainer like, so it's fine. Uh, and he realizes me like, oh, my posture is like better. And so he goes to swing the club and he knocks it quite far. It doesn't like hit the wall this time, but it's definitely way better than he's been doing it before. And I was like, look, you've still got a ways to go. Because, like, you've got great height. You could hit the ball, like, triple the distance you just did. But he keeps on practicing, and now he's got the tip from her, and he's really hitting it way better. And he's like, I'm, I'm doing it. And eventually, Oga catches his attention uh, and distracts him. And is like, hey, look, I went too far earlier. 
I'm sorry. And she, she bows to him in apology. Uh, but Haku says, look, it's okay. It was the truth. Uh, and uh, I was like, all right, well, I, I still don't like you. <laughs> it's just unforgiving. Uh, but she says, look, you'll get better. Golf is a sport that rewards hard work. Uh, so Haku's like, all right, yeah, I'm going to pull a real Tiger Woods. I mean, I'll show you something amazing at my amateur level. So baby steps. Uh, and in the, eventually he hits the ball and he hits the sweet spot. And we get this two-page spread of just him knocking the ball forward. And uh, Hyaka remembers the words that he narrated at the beginning of this chapter, which are like, look, no matter how hard you try, there's always someone better than you. What's the point of doing anything? And despite that, right now, I wonder why I feel so happy. And he's able to hit the net and the back of the course and the back of the driving range. He's like, oh my God, I did it. Hey, Oga, did you see that? She's gone. She's not there to <laughs> witness this moment of drive. He's like, oh, damn it. <laughs> um, but uh, he looks around and spots uh, an older guy uh, driving the ball and he you know, hits it in like the same place that Haku did. And he's like, ah, that's not good, not awful. And Haku realizes like, oh, yeah, this is just like normal for everyone here. Okay. Yeah. I, what am I getting all excited about? Uh, okay. Better go home. Uh, and he does pass uh, Oga on the way out. Uh, and, and just like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm satisfied. I, I mean, look, I think it was a fluke. But yeah, I, I, I got a good hit in this time. Uh, and Oga's like, all right, fine then. And she takes his hand and looks at it and just shows him like all the calluses he has on his hand. Cause he hit the ball over a hundred times yeah. and he hasn't been wearing gloves this whole time. And then she <laughs> right on the sore hand. Like, why did you do that? But it's because she's put a package of golf gloves in his hand. And she says, there are no lucky punches in golf. There are no flu kits. Wear that next time. And he's like, what do you mean next time? And she looks over her shoulder at him and says, that was a good shot. Aw, she was watching. Yeah. Aw. Uh, so he takes his leave, and she walks over to where he was practicing and realizes he was practicing with an 8-iron. He hit the ball 180 yards with an 8-iron. I don't believe it. And she whacks a ball in the driving range with the 8-iron, and she's like, I managed 145 yards, which would be pretty respectable for a male golfer. And this guy has never played before, and he hit the ball 180 yards with this. What, what is it natural? Natural ability or... No, obviously, he just happened to hit it perfectly. He just happened to have the right build, the right strength. He just happened to demonstrate 150% of his potential in a fluke. Yeah, I don't believe it either. So... She has realized something about uh, about him, and uh, now Haku is you know like just at home. He's chilling at the bath, and he's like, "Hmm, golf, golf." So a long time ago, Quinn. Yeah. Long time ago. Now, we read the first few chapters of a series called Robot Laser Beam. Uh huh. And I was like, "You cannot make golf interesting." <laughs> we said to ourselves. This author will never have a hit series and jump again. 
Uh, I, uh, I was wrong. Uh-huh. This was absurdly good. Uh, I like <laughs> this, this chapter a lot. Great. Uh, I don't know if this is going to be like a good or long running series, but this is a fantastic start. I like this lead a lot um, because of all the reasons he gets dressed down for in the chapter itself. But like, I think those things do help to make protagonists stand out. Sometimes we just talked about uh, when we, ta- we did a, a Yu show. we were talking about like, oh, Yusuke kind of stands out because like he's kind of an asshole and like we don't right. get that. And I do like that this guy's just like busy thinking about greatness he's like oh man i would be so it'd be cool to like make a billion dollars and but that's know. never gonna happen yeah and then he, he he gets called to the office with this girl and he's like oh they found out of our love affair it's like i don't know he's just kind of like he has he has a charisma to him i don't know if it's yeah. the best kind but like he has some kind of personality and then it's fun seeing him bounce off this girl who just so transparently is like fuck you i fucking hate you and every fucking stupid thought you said <laughs> so i i really appreciated how they bounced off each other in this chapter yeah. Um, the action as you said uh was really good like they managed to make golf swing sat like look really really good um and it was just fun in a way like i i like the payoffs i like the setup that we got earlier in the chapter when he's talking to his uh baseball friend and his friend's like you know you have a better arm than i do and yeah like, mm, maybe that's he's- why he's so good at this this golf swing um but it'll be curious to see like well if he was so good at, at baseball why did he stop yeah was there some sort of event that you know where he maybe wasn't really enthusiastic about uh, athletics and sports and stuff. And then he was like, oh, you lost really bad one time and decided it's not worth trying uh, to, to keep up with this. Yeah. But yeah, it's just a nice, you know, self-contained story here of a guy who's got no motivation, deciding he wants to have something that he can be proud of and finally being willing to put in the hard work to try and achieve something, even if it's just a small triumph. All he wanted to do was just like, I just want to have one good hit on this. And he put in the effort to make it happen. And as a result of that, I really do like that there are baby steps that happen in the relationship between him and Oga, where she's like, yeah, all right, well, you came in and you you really tried for that. And she respects that. And she starts to be nicer towards him and is like, look, I went too far and everything. It's a nice way of like having a very developed relationship all in one little story. It's really satisfying to read. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to seeing more. Yeah. I was not, uh, I didn't have too many super high expectations for this, uh, but this one definitely was very pleasant and enjoyable to read. Um, So yeah, looking forward to some more. Um, But I think we have to talk about, Kagurabachi. I'm going to step away for a second. Speaking of pleasant to read, (laughs) Quinn, it's chapter 11, Awaken. Uh, So Chihiro wakes up in bed, realizes the char has been taken and he failed to save her. Mr. Shiba and their cop friend come in and are like, Ah, he's reborn! Go back to sleep right now! For some reason, I don't know why. I don't know why he says that. Uh, but they kind of break it down. It's like, okay, look, yeah, uh, they, we didn't want you to be taken to the nearby hospital. You're in a public hospital. You could go to a different hospital, but we don't want your lineage showing up in the records. 
because oh because the, the Kaminabi hospital the, the police force hospital so he's like we could have taken you there but there are members of the Kaminabi who don't think highly of Rokuhira okay so then, then he wants to know about Char and about Hinao uh, you know, of course, we were left to think that maybe he had just like died because she was with Char at the moment that Char was kidnapped. But it's established that he you knows alive and is doing pretty okay. Because uh, you know, like even like she visited her before and and gave her some apples and stuff, uh, and she didn't like them, which I appreciate because I don't like Sheba either. So yeah. Uh, they break down like, okay, so regarding Soja's objective, here's what I got out of Cylinder Head. He had a name. He's dead now. And it's your fault. <laughs> so they say Sojo has some dot ten seki. That's what we need. More terminology to uh -huh. overwhelm us with. Dot ten seki. You know what that is, right, Jihiro? Yes, the Enchanted Blade source material. A unique ore that was discovered during the war. Only 250 kilos of it are currently known to exist. And then we cut away from there to get the rest of the conversation from Sojo and company. And Sojo's like, the spirit energy imbued in the stone multiplies. It becomes something so concentrated, it won't be possible to contain it in a human body. It's the same as the enchanted blades. But the power of the Datenseki is toxic. When spirit energy pours into it, the condensed spirit energy streams into the person's body. Unable to contain the energy, the body bursts and they die. But Kunishige Rokuhira was the only person to ever succeed in stabilizing that power. The only one able to work with it. And uh, now they're going to try and do something with it. And uh, they need Char's body to do it. Uh, literally, they're chopping and scraping off bits of her flesh in order to use in experiments. Yay! 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 Uh, so is I, I believe that everyone, like, kind of suspects this is the case, and they tell Chihiro, and he's like, God damn it, I didn't save her. This sucks. Uh, so he wants to know where a sword is, so, you know, he can go off and be a sword guy. Uh, and so they're like, Look, uh, you know, um, the Kabanabi and stuff. And she was like, no, let's not overwhelm him. And she was like, shut up. Tell me the plot. And so Ozma is like, well, the Kabanabi are going to speed up our plan to defeat Sojo. So is the infiltration thing just being immediately adjusted after we introduced it like three chapters ago? Okay. So he says, I want you to meet some of the Kaminabi that are going to work in this operation. And I understand your hesitation, but trust me. Uh, and she was like, they all work directly for Azami, Chihiro, so they're good. So I was like, fine. And we're introduced to a whole bunch of new characters. And uh, there is a mask guy, other mask guy, glasses guy, uh, ponytail girl? Yeah. Uh, and uh, the other one, uh, <laughs> and what the the one who's mean? He goes, he goes, trick a lot. Uh, and mask guy is is a is a real wild one. He's making a lot of noise, and he's being restrained by glasses guy. And they're like, we're in a hospital. And the other mask guy is like, we're in a hospital. Yes. So. 
Yeah, they say that they've investigated the site that uh, Sojo's goon, he had a name, told you about, and it was empty. So we're conducting a new search, uh, and we're going to move in on it when we find it. In the meantime, we need info from you to develop our strategy. And Shira's like, all right, fine, but let me join the operation. And the mean guy's like, no! And uh, other mask guy says, uh, excuse him, he's new. He acts like a jerk when he sees a youngster with potential. It's very specific. Yeah, I was like, what a, okay. what a very specific character trait to have. Yes. Uh, and he points out that, hey, Chihiro did, you know, help make sure that Soja didn't kill all the bystanders during their fight. Uh, and Ponytail Girl's like, what? That happened? And Glass Guy's like, yes. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, so, yeah, Chihiro explains how he did it. Uh, and uh, then they're like, wow, that sure is cool. And she, and she was like, yeah, but you're really heavily wounded. The muscles of your left arm are shredded. You won't be useful for another month. Okay. Uh, but then uh, is, they're like, yeah, we started searching for his base five days ago when you collapsed. And she was like, wait, I've been out for five days? Oh, no, Char's been suffering this whole time. I've got to come with you, definitely. Uh, and Glass Guy's like, well, unfortunately... Our mission is to kill Sojo, and saving that kid isn't part of our assignment. I love the police, so <laughs> the, so he's like, from what I gather, you're a hothead with a cool facade. So even if we told you to stay put, you'd probably sneak off anyway. Leaving you alone is probably the most dangerous thing we can do. So we'll kill Sojo, and you can covertly rescue the kid. It's a flawless plan, he says. Uh-huh. And, well, I uh, do like so, that he's immediately corrected by his one teammate. No, like, no, this not, is this is a very this flawed. is a very half baked plan. So, uh, it is in a very bizarre moment. Glasses guy's like, "Oh, are you in?" And Chihiro has to like think about it. It when he had been insisting on coming along with them on the operation before. So, I know it's supposed to be dramatic because like he thinks about how much Char is suffering and stuff. He's like, "I'm in," and it's like. Yes, obviously you're in. You just asked if you could be in before he told <laughs> yeah. you the conditions before you being in. Like, Yeah, you just said, like, I'm definitely coming. So, yeah, it is like... Well, hold on. I've got some conditions. We'll do what we're going to do, and you'll get to do what you want to do. Hold on. You drive a hard bargain, but let me get okay. Let, yeah, let me consider if this lines up with my goals. Yeah, I think I'll do it. <laughs> just like, hey, dog. I understand you want like a dramatic way to end it, but yeah, I don't know why they, they put that pause in there. It seems very silly. Yep. Uh, this was a pretty nothing chapter, honestly. Uh, it's kind of like a necessary chapter. If it was like, oh, Chihiro's got a plan now. And he's coming back from injury and stuff, and he's going to go go save the girl. Um, but whatever. Yeah, it was fine. Um I don't know. I, I I'm not like a huge fan of like being introduced to five new characters and be like, all of these are important. And I'm like, I don't even know the one dude from this organization organization that is supposed to be important. Like all of yes. five of you characters just feel like fodder at this point. That's kind of how you were treated by Sojo in the other chapter. He was like, I think I could kill all five of these people if I needed to. It's those two up there that are making me feel like I need to do a tactical retreat. So yes. I, I don't really know how to feel about all of this, but 
I guess there's another female character in this series. That's fine. That's, you know, something. Let's see if she gets killed first. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't put another victim female character in the series, Quinn. Come on. That'd be ridiculous. Now, Nick, let's talk about new sex. I'm sure the fourth one will do something besides be chased and stabbed. (laughs) She's like, oh, no, I forgot my sword and my sorcery powers at home. Ah, (laughs) my sorcery powers at home. Oh, let's talk about New Sexorcist, Nick, because we didn't talk about it last week and people were like hungry to know our thoughts on Suo's character developments. Fortunately, Um, we're just given a recap of the last chapter at the beginning of this one. It's very simple and straightforward. Yeah, it's chapter 28, the new squad member. So we open the chapter with Nui just telling like all the students who were brought in like, goodbye, thanks for participating. And they're like, I guess we never learned about the actual house sharing situation, huh? All right. (laughs) And then we are told, last time the newly transferred squad member refused to show themselves. Thus, we conducted a plan to lure them out, and it worked magnificently. So here we are. Oh, Uh, man, I want this person to narrate my life. Uh, For those of you who have never watched Rocky and Bullwinkle, uh, that was (laughs) happened every episode. I I, I was well aware of that voice. I was like, ooh, are we going to get some Tom Slick after this? (laughs) No, but we will do Tennessee Tuxedo. Oh, I love that one. Some secret uh, squad, maybe? I don't think that was the same show. I thought I thought it was. I thought it was all the same one. I don't think so. I thought it was a different era. Maybe that maybe that was George of the Jungle and Secret Squirrel. I never watched George of the Jungle, so you might be right. Yeah. So any hoosel. Uh so the new club member, they were able to actually like find them, and of course Nui does what she whatever she does whenever a new character enters the club room, she ties them up so they can't get away or do anything. Uh, so the passed out new cl- new club member uh, comes around and goes, where am I? Ah, uh, so you got me. Uh, and so Nui, for whatever reason, instructs Gakuro to take uh, off this girl's hood. Uh, she's like, uh, I'd rather not have him touch me. Could someone else please do it? And Nui goes, mm-hmm. Gakuro, take off her hood. So uh, Gakuro takes off her hood and goes, is that you? She told Sue? What? He knows her. What? And <laughs> immediately Sue goes, wait, wait, who is this? And Gaku goes, my sister. But we've been separated. And, and we literally get people going, what? <laughs> you really? I really waited for somebody to be like, but are you related by blood? Because <laughs> this determines how hot this situation is now. <laughs> This series, are talking about this series. If this series weren't already garbage, and I thought nothing of it, that our conversation about the series would have ruined this scene for me because I immediately <laughs> did go in my head. Is she related by blood? <laughs> the best part is later on they're like, no, no, <laughs> she's not. <laughs> the entire time I was going, to, I was like, oh, I gotta come in on this and be like, oh, she's your sister who's related to you by blood. That's disgusting, Gakuro. Get her out of here right now. <laughs> Like, oh, this is Gakuro's sister. Related by blood. Uh, oh, like, boo. like there's a moment everyone's like, oh wow. And later on and then later on like, actually she's adopted. <laughs> she's adopted. <laughs> so you're telling me there's a chance. You son of a bitch, Gakuro, don't <laughs> do that to me. <laughs> so 
they leave Shutatsu tied up because Nui's an awful host. Uh, and she's like, yeah, I'm the new squad member who's been transferred here. To everyone here besides the captain, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. No, Nick, it's like a basic instinct where Sharon Stone oh. was being intim- interrogated, but she was actually the one in power. It's the same thing here. She right. She's tied up, but she's the one controlling this situation just to show how powerful she is. Oh, my God. So uh, they're like, okay. Uh, Suo and me is like, this might be a bit of a problem. And Shitashi's like, no, no, no. If you want me to do something, just just say the word. Uh, and Gakura's like, um, but before that, could you apologize to, to Suo-senpai for the position you put her in? And the chair disappears for Shitatsu to kick him? Like, it's very weird. Uh, it's not just that, like, her cloak is hiding it. Because the cloak is, like, draped over the chair. But, like, the legs of the chair disappear, too, when she kicks him. Yeah. Anyway. There is no uh, chair, Nick. This is, I, I can't believe you're just getting this lesson now. There is no chair. It's This, this is a mental okay. test. <laughs> There's a chair in the other panel. <laughs> the series has always been new sex or cis, Nick, and there's never been a chair. <laughs> there is no other way of pronouncing that title. Come on. Uh, so she does like, I was going to apologize to her after you go away. Gakuro, you, God, Gakuro is like, Gakuro is going to red pill people because even I'm looking and be like, what a beta asshole. Cause he's, <laughs> cause she, she totes is like, I'll apologize to after you leave. And he's like, okay, I guess I'll go then. <laughs> Catch y'all later. <laughs> oh God. So seeing the two of them interact that way like Suo is like I mean I guess they do to act like siblings don't they huh so Shutatsu uh, is like alright well let's start over wait Gakuro you're still here you stupid liar <laughs> I do love that moment where she just calls him a stupid liar <laughs> it's like she she told him that she wanted him to go away and he was like guess I'll leave and then he's like no read yeah read the room you idiot wait what are you still doing here <laughs> god so then it was like, can't you just like get along with him? Even if it's just in practice from the way you talk, I can tell you're pretty capable. It's like, what? Like an asshole. Okay. So she totes is like, Oh, thank you for the compliment. But look, after our father's death, this guy just has lived his life in a carefree manner. Him becoming a captain makes me sick to my stomach. Serving a subordinate out of the question. If he's supposed to be in charge of the squad and relay orders, I won't obey. Ever. And so Noe's like, all right, time for me to solve things the way I always do. <laughs> Rotonly deciding things. <laughs> you two are going to stay in this room together until you get along with each other. And they're just it's not abandoned even, in the room together. It's not even something funny. Like, oh, you both have to wear the, the sibling sweater or whatever. Like where they're both stuck in the same sweater or whatever. Like, something they're gonna, like, oh, like, this has to be, it's just, like, you're locked in the same room, uh, and the reason is because we have a magic portal that, everyone has to be drift compatible for some reason for it to work. Yeah, they can't, she can't just say that she'll get along, they have to literally prove they can get along, like, personality-wise, because the thing they want to do won't work otherwise, blah, blah, blah. So, uh... 
Shitatsu is really upset about this. They're locked in a room together. Also, I think that they're forced to power down because Nui is broken like that. Uh, so they can't, and they can't get out. The door is completely locked behind them. And so Shitatsu is like, all right, I get it. So you asked me if I get along with them, even if it was for just in practice and stuff. And so they're like, look, can you get do it? Because like the others can. And so they're stuck in this position. Uh, and Nui's like, come on, bridge the gap, Gakuro. And Gakuro's like, I don't know what to talk about. Oh, God. Um, We haven't seen each other in seven years. What? I'm scared. What about that weather, sis? <laughs> Who said you could call me that? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, I broached too far. I'll leave. All right, the door. The weather's the same way as when our dad died, Gakuro. Fuck you. <laughs> Gakuro pulls out his list of topics, crosses out dad on the list. Oh, this is going to be really hard for me. <laughs> There's just a bunch of question marks afterwards. Like, oh. Remember when our dad died? <laughs> he just gives up. He's like, so, have you spoke to dad recently? <laughs> Sorry, I just looked up a bunch of dad-related questions on the internet. <laughs> what do you want to get dad for Father's Day? I typed in icebreakers and got the gum, so I gave up and logged off of the internet forever. I feel like Shitatsu also like can't help but talk about her dead dad, though. <laughs> oh man, this cool part reminds me when my dad died. <laughs> Do all of your friends think it's really hot that we're not related by blood? <laughs> oh my god. So, Gakuro, I mean, like, it's been half their lives since they've seen each other. So, Gakuro's like, I don't really even remember what kind of person she is. She was just kind of like a tough person, but, and she's stronger and smarter than me. And also, the reason we were separated was because of dads. Death. Yeah, they don't say so, it, but you know, yeah, yeah, we can read between the lines. We're 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 talented uh, uh, interpreters. Yeah. Eventually, uh, she breaks the silence and is like, "Why did you become a captain?" And and Gakuro is like, "Oh, I wasn't expecting you to talk." Yeah, four days ago, knew I did this and nominated me for the position. And she talks is like, "All right, well, why didn't you run away? You're good at that." Ouch. And Gakura says, oh, no, I saved my life. And from then, I felt like I had to change. She pushed me to be this far, and now here I am. And Justice is like, oh, wow. So if Nui told you to quit being a captain, you'd also quit? No! There's someone who's trying to escape from a certain place whom I want to protect. Justice is like, oh, okay. How have you been? <laughs> no transition whatsoever <laughs> and immediately she just shuts up and is like well, no I was talking about me that was really hard oh tell me something and just like this sucks you're so annoying I you know I just told you to talk to me it's like, it's like yeah she told me to talk to you yes uh, and she says alright you want to know how I've been doing yeah it was the worst that's it Hey guys, how you doing in there? You be, you being you getting along? You you, you kill each other yet? Uh, we place bets. Can we go? Can we go through the teleporter yet? Did you fix all of your problems? 
We left you in here for like 10 minutes. Come on. Yeah. Come on. How much longer do you need to be drift compatible? What the fuck? Uh, Suo has brought We downloaded snacks. Pacific Rim onto both of your phones. <laughs> You're supposed to sync it up. Yeah. What you, you, like- you gave me two. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, they brought food for, like, a welcome party and stuff, and then Shitoats is like, yeah, we should talk with everybody else around and stuff, uh, and immediately Gakuro's like, oh, no, she's joined my group of friends, I can't intrude on it now, God, I have no social skills, uh, no matter what I do, I'll just ruin the atmosphere by butting in, uh, and so eventually, Shiroha looks around and is just like, hey, why do you dislike why do you dislike Yajima? I can read people's emotions via their scent, uh, and I can tell that like you're serious. Like you do do not like him. You you can't forgive him. But I can also tell that those emotions are not stemming from hatred. Uh, and she is uh, given an answer of like, look, keep just hold on for a second. Just hold on. And she was like, sorry. No, it's fine. Okay, then tell them tell us what's going on. I don't think there's going to be a problem if you just you know like. Tell him what's going on. Bye. <laughs> okay, so so that happens, mm-hmm. and then uh, we see on the phone, Nue is talking with the captain who sent Shitatsu to join their squad, uh, and uh, says like, "Yeah, turns out Shitatsu and Gakuro were siblings." Do you have some kind of ulterior motive in mind? And the captain's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, wouldn't it be in your records? Has the Exorcist Bureau been taking care of this town's operation? And she's like, oh, no, I've been busy. I've been leaving the vice captain to handle things. And the vice captain's like, turns out he's former Captain Yajima saw it, It's It is legitimately kind of a funny chapter because she's like, I don't know. I leave this all to my vice captain. If there's anything important, he'd tell me. And then he just walks up. He's like, hey, it turns out Yakuro's <laughs> the former captain's son. And you're like, it's funny uh, in in the, the moment, but it is frustrating that you're like, this is the way the series deals with its character writing is just like, I don't know, what if everyone was kind of stupid and worthless? Yeah, she wasn't just playing coy. She did, in fact, not know. <laughs> because hadn't, she hadn't been told yet. So, yeah, apparently, like, he is for, the late captain, Yajima's son. So, like, oh, so he's Takaro's kid, huh? Father and son, chosen as captains under special circumstances. That's crazy. And Gakuro's old man, Takaro, he was my master. And he starts as a captain, and Nui goes, Whoa! <laughs> uh, and, th- and then we are given the very, very, very sun bit of information. I didn't even know he was married since I heard Chitotsu was adopted. <gasps> <laughs> Nui goes, Hot. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I am going to lock them in there for so long now. <laughs> Time to gonna- let the whole school know. This is great because I was I was afraid that Shiroha and Gakuro were getting a little bit too close to each other. Now I could just like have <laughs> have another wheel on this. Yeah, next next chapter, Zeno's going to have a panel where he's super up close to Gakuro's face. You have another hot sister who's not related by blood. Uh, Nui asked for more information, and she is told he wasn't particularly strong or particularly smart. His leadership didn't stand out. 
It's kind of ugly. Didn't like him. What a douchebag. You cheated me out of all of my money. <laughs> Couldn't cook. Uh, not a particularly good driver. Uh, terrible at making small talk. <laughs> uh, but he was, without a doubt, the best captain. Oh, man, I can't believe the Gakuro's dad is a Shin, the former captain of the 10th Nick, squad. Nick, how could you? This is completely different. <laughs> This is an entirely different thing. See, like, when in Bleach, it was revealed it was, like, a huge deal. Here, <laughs> who gives a shit? <laughs> He's already dead. I've never seen him. I've seen him in, like, a panel be like, my son, I'm dead. I can't believe the Gakura's dad was Minato, the fourth Hokage. Yeah, this is much closer to that, where you're like, I guess we'll retroactively add a relationship here. Uh, but this guy is probably not going to be even as interesting as Minato was. So, uh, yeah, uh, this is a dumb, bad series. God. Uh, just... Everything about this chapter is like, hey, look, Gakura's got a sister. Oh, does she care for him? No, she hates his guts along with everyone else who meets Gakuro for the first time. It's kind of satisfying to have a character who hates Gakuro as much as we, the audience, do. But it only works as for so long as she does do that, which I feel like is this chapter, maybe next chapter. And then he's going to like... I don't know. He's going to block a monster attack or some shit from getting to her. And she's going to be like, uh, well, you know what? Maybe he's not so bad after all. And she just becomes the Sundare character or whatever. She's, he's going to practice hitting a golf ball a whole bunch of times. And then yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. God. All right. Two on ice. Chapter 10. Uh, and we don't get the chapter title uh, because it's a reveal later on. Uh, so... We, of course, know that two roads have diverged in a wood. One of them goes to singles. One of them goes to pairs. And Hayuma's got a, a big decision to make. And it doesn't seem as clear as it used to be because he realizes, like, hey, if I ever were to catch up to Kisara, which I probably will eventually, there's this whole path that's open for me. Uh, Natsuya gives him, like, his scores and everything. Uh, kind of breaks down, like, yeah, you lost some easy points. There's room for improvement and stuff. But, hey... Uh, these guys were all you you were you playing ranked six out of 12 skaters and all of them were like college students including national competitors so this was way more than enough you did a good job uh you you're you've got the talent to be a single skater um so then uh minakoshi uh is addressed by Roland Fujiwara, who is like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I know Nat Natsuya here and stuff. They're kind of like catching up with each other. And he's like, yeah, I was surprised, but you, you were really good. He's just like a really nice guy, you know, for this person who has just been set up as like, oh, the goal for Hayuma in singles games. Like, he's just a nice guy who's just like, oh, yeah, you were really good. You know, I was impressed by, by, by you because, you know, you're so young and stuff. And he also stands like, I've got a long ways to go because Taka keeps showing me up. Uh, no real further discussion of that point, though. But remember, Roland is second-ranked nationally. Mm -hmm. so, and it's tough because that guy is the, the son of the most uh, prestigious uh, baseball player in all of Japan. <laughs> and it's really hard. He could jump really high, so it's hard to intercept any of his passes. <laughs> oh, man. All right. No, no. <laughs> that was a joke mostly for Nick. 
It was a target, an audience of one for that one. <laughs> so, uh, and the Roland even like extends a hand uh, for for Hayuma. Uh, he's like, "Yeah, it was, it, I'm looking forward to our next competition." And uh, Hayuma kind of looks at his jacket and sees like, "Oh, Japan on his you know national competition level kind of stuff." Uh, and he's kind of like caught staring at that point. But then Roland kind of gets. Yeah, Natsu calls attention over and is like, yeah, we might be taking a trip to Nagoya and stuff. And Hayuma's left to you know, contemplate his decision and he realized, like, I look, I did land that triple axle. I've got this opportunity. There's, you know, an opportunity for me to get, to take on Roland to go for number one. I could chase after him. And then we cut over to Kisara at that point and she's like practicing She's like, I understand. I'll cheer you on. She's like waiting for Hayuma to come with her with the answer of like, I'm going to go off on my own, which is really sad because it's like she's been through this before, basically. And so she's like just practicing to be like the good friend and partner, essentially. But Hayuma comes to her and it's like, look, I've made a decision. And at first, yeah, I wanted to be in a pair so that I could skate with the girl that I looked up to. And when I entered the singles competition, I understood the person I'm looking up to in the future might not be that girl. It could be Roland. It could be another skater. And I got to talk to Roland at the performance. He seems like a really nice guy. And I realized I was next to these amazing people like him. There's a path that would allow me to pursue them. And that meant I would have to replace that girl with someone else to look up to. I could put in the work for singles. That used to be what was driving me. Then I realized there was something off about that. And he realized during the competition that Kisara is not that girl that he has been setting his sights on. He realized there are athletes more amazing than her. And it was kind of painful to admit that. But today, compared to when I chased after you because I looked up to you, I felt like I really faced you, Kisara. And he realizes, I think since I've been alone until now, it, it's because she was the person who faced me back. And through all this, he's like, in the future, I want to spend my career facing someone. So if I do overtake you in the future, I'll match you the best I can on the path ahead. Instead of chasing someone alone, I'd like to walk the same path side by side. Will you form a pair with me, please? And Kisara is struck by this. She tears up and immediately has to like turn away and like hide, hide, hide her, her reaction. And he's like, did I just get rejected? He's like, no, you idiot. <laughs> it's got, it's, it's actually a, a cute moment as she's like, Oh, <laughs> turns away. And he's like, Oh shit. That didn't work out. But, um, I wish the series had more cute moments like that. Yeah. Uh, she, you know, manages to get collect herself just now to that. When she turns around, she's like, you're so straightforward. It's shocking. I look forward to skating together with you again. And we get final chapter of the prologue. as a, And the chapter title is The Path. And we see that the two of them are walking on that pair's path together. Uh, I mean, look, the series is titled Two on Ice. So this was kind of the thing that had to happen. Uh, I thought that this chapter was very nice independently it was nice to have this reframing of Hayuma's motivations and like him having this 
much deeper understanding of what he wanted to do than just, you know, the childlike motivation from before. Like, that guy's really cool. I want to be like them. Uh, it did take a long time to get to this point, it feels like, though. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of people have brought up the fact that this is, like, around the same time t- uh, I Tell C was like, we are also now finished with telling our prologue. And I was like, well, that's not great, because that's, that's, like, half the series that's for you. Yeah. Um, who knows? Things are up in the air. I feel like it's going to be like a, a death battle, like a death race between Master uh, Marshall Master Asumi and Two on Ice to see which 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 sports series can barely survive the next cancellation block, depending on how many series are in it. Um, yeah. But I mean, this tells it's always a weird thing to be though to do this prologue thing at chapter ten because they're not going to put ten chapters in a volume. Especially with the first chapter, and I think it's usually yeah. like nine. So it, it sits weird when you're like, unless they force that in there and you get like an extra big one, which I don't know if they're going to do or not. But it's like weird. You're going to start volume two and then be like, prologue end. What the hell? Uh, but it, it, it's fine. Like, I get what they're going for. They wanted to show that he, he, he sees that there are other people out there that he wants to chase. But he has also realized he's incredibly lonely and he's not interested as much in chasing people as he is in facing somebody else and finding the challenge in that. Which I think is an intriguing way of doing this. We see a lot of shonen sports characters motivated entirely by rivalry and wanting to beat the person they're chasing after. Uh, but in a sport that is specifically a one on, you know, a two person uh, cooperative sort of uh, synchronization sport. It makes sense that his motivation would be completely different. He's not like worried about what the next pair is doing. He's he's worried about his 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 particular relationship with Kasara. Uh, Kasara. Mm-hmm. Kasara. Kasaru. Kisara. 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 Yeah. Same as the Taekwondo girl in uh, in Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I do, I do know who you're talking about just because she wore the jeans that were like the the uh or, no, the Zack Ryder the, jeans. Zack Ryder <laughs> jeans, yeah. <laughs> uh let's move on to the Elusive Samurai. It's chapter 135, Rations 1338. Uh the army of the Hojo is facing a problem. They're not taking they're taking a really long time to uh move away from Kamakura. Uh and they're running low on food. Uh, because they and they're being slowed down by like these Ashikaga holdouts. They're barring their progress, uh, and their food supplies are being targeted. So they've got all these vast quantities of rations that they need, and they're also very prime targets for attack. So Akie decrees that like, okay, look, I I'm gonna procure supplies locally, uh, and he also says like everyone split up and negotiate Hanze the procurement of military supplies. So. Tokiyuki's group goes off and then they meet with a guy who I'm not sure if his face is just naturally this way or if he squints so much that he forces his chin to go to that side of his face. Yeah. But anyway. Um, so Shizuku makes the offer like, look, Lord Ikie will repay you handsomely after the war. Uh, if I'll, I've got a, a handling fee here and also a, a promissory note. And uh, so the guy's like, oh, considers it. And he's like, OK, look, if I do this. It harms the nobles in Kyo. I've got my rice already. I could take the money. And and then he spots Sheena. And he says, I want the woman. 
Uh, I'll now, unlock the storehouses if you give me a woman. On on one hand, Nick, you're like, this is crude. Obviously, we're thinking of different times that this is crude. But on another hand, I too would like the robot woman. <laughs> Which is how I had to assume this person would look at like, ah, I would like robot Wolverine. Is that, it's not for sexual reasons. I just think that she's a cool cyborg. I just think you would be a fun hang. <laughs> <laughs> uh and sheena is like okay with this she's like just very like yeah i'm used to i get it i get it <laughs> you win some you lose some uh kojiro holds her back and is like look our, our, our group don't do that because tokyuki insists that we you know have we value ourselves uh which is a thing that we have had to see before, of course, of like, you know, he's had to tell, tell troops, don't freaking be suicidal. Try and survive the battle so you can fight for me again. Come on. <laughs> um, so then instead, the guy's like, oh, fine, then price just went up five times. So if you want our rice, then pay a hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately stabbed through the throat. Uh, and um, yeah, so it's the crazy bloodthirsty uh general uh and he he and his men just start fucking butchering everyone who's controlling the storehouse so that they can take all the food and uh we get a little history lesson like yeah this happened like <laughs> armies are desperate for food they would raid and stuff but tokyuki is uh disgusted by all this so tokyuki confronts uh uh yuki munihiro and, and they're like look stop that you're you're being you know a, a criminal you're being a raider stop that and he even like is holding his sword ready and uh Munihira says you're a soft child if you draw your sword on me i will fight you my soul is not pure like my son's because <laughs> he's just like a murder guy remember he doesn't have any noble intentions behind murder and people he'll just kill whoever so Ayako and Kotaro are getting ready uh, to fight as well, if need be. Uh, and, uh, th but fortunately, uh, God, what is their name? Nagao, I think it, it is. They step in in order to help out uh, Tokyuki's group, and then more generals come in and break up the fight. And Morinao is brought before Akie uh, to explain what he's done. And he's like, look, punish me if you wish. But I replenished our supplies. The men are overjoyed that this has happened. Now they can be useful to their commander. And after all, everyone knows why we left Oshu without proper supplies. It's because the Mikado repeatedly demanded the defeat of Takauji with haste. You, you must obey his commands, and we know that. And so we'll support you, but we'll do it however it takes. My group are barbarians. We will get our hands dirty for our lord. So Akie uh, is at first taken aback by this, but then he says, all right, uh, I'm going to confiscate a village in your territory, and you're going to have to make up for this in battle. But in the grand scheme of things, like he's not removed from a position of command, yeah. and that's not a very high price to pay. He gets just kind of a slap on the wrist for this. And... Obviously, Tokyuki's not happy about this. He goes and he talks with the weird mustache-painted guy. Uh, he's like, look, I want to talk to Lord Akie about this. I want to talk to him about the Mesteeds and how he didn't really punish them for it. It seems like he was holding something back. So 
Uh, mustache guy uh, pats down Tokyuki for a weapon because, you know, Tokyuki, that assassin, who you know, definitely wants to kill Akie, but, you know, it's, it's important stuff. So uh, he uh, takes Tokyuki in and says, okay, Akie, he wishes to speak with you. And Tokyuki goes inside and he sees Akie uh, in plain clothing and without makeup or a top knot. He looks so still ridiculously pretty uh <laughs> what a difference it makes so gorgeous and delicate like a flower yes um so uh toki takes position in front of him and akie says like look war may seem glorious but in reality it's ugly you, you're telling the 12 year old this who has been running away from death for the past several years you don't need to tell him this <laughs> Well, no, this is the first time he's learned a lesson that war sometimes is bad. Oh, man. War, bad thing. <laughs> That's when Void shows up. He's like, yes, war, bad, humans, bad, machines, good. <laughs> it's just like it's even it, like his dialogue depl- de- just decays as, as time goes by. It's like, bad people kill. <laughs> bad human Bad war, robot good, and <laughs> very good boy. <laughs> People are confused. They're like Void from Undead Unlock. <laughs> he just shows up in boxing gloves. Human, bad, touches, <laughs> touches, no miss. <laughs> oh God. So, Nick, I don't want to interrupt this tangent, oh, but we do have breaking news. Uh, Henry Kissinger is dead. Oh, no. The Vanga bus is coming. Da, 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 da. <laughs> I really wanted to, like, uh, channel uh, those. Uh, uh, sometimes you'd hear them on, like, uh, British radio stations where it's it's just, like, uh, a fucking techno song playing to, like, we now interrupt the station to say the Queen of England is dead, and then it just goes right back into like the techno music. <laughs> oh man, we can no longer do that. We interrupt this good news to inform you that Henry Kissinger is still alive. I'm gonna miss that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm hope I'm hoping to see the sequel to that. The the Grim Reaper being like, finally, I got him at the vending machine <laughs> or the the claw machine. <laughs> Oh man, okay. Uh any Akie breaks up like, hey, war kind of sucks and people do bad things in your name sometimes. Uh and look, I know that the people in the north have no morals, but they're doing it to support my rise to power, so what am I gonna do? And so Tokiki says, Hey, Lord Akie, why are those guys so so dedicated to you? And Akie says, Who do you like in Shin Kokin? Toki's like, what the fuck are you talking about poetry for? Let us speak about my time with the men in the north. Okay. Akie backstory, guys. <laughs> Here it is. We have to get it. This dude's like clearly a big character and like we can't ignore him. So we just have to accept that happens. I do like that this series is trying to address the fact that like, yes, even on your noble good side of good people who aren't evil you are still going to commit atrocities 
just by the nature of how war at that time really functioned, still kind of functions, um, where you're just callous. You're like, shit, we need these supplies. We're going to fucking murder everything we get to get there. Um, so we'll see how this goes, uh, what this flashback does to kind of inform us of um, his character. I'm not like super excited for it, um, mm-hmm. but, you know, I guess we'll see. It feels like we're doing this thing now where it's like, we gotta, what's the missing element? How are we going to, what's the last thing Akie needs in order to get over? And I'm over here and it's like, he needs to go away. That's what he needs to do. You need to stop trying with him and just have him go away. Stop putting Darby Allen on TV and I'm what, never going to care about him. Get rid of him. What if we made another title and gave it to him? Oh. <laughs> I literally sighed when I like. What if we had piece. another legend be his friend? <laughs> I literally sighed when I saw the news that they announced that, like, we're doing a big uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling style, like, round robin tournament. It's for a new championship we've created. Like, stop! (laughs) At least give it a better name than the Continental Championship. You've got an intercontinental champion. Stop it. No, that's an international that's champion. That's different. Yeah, think about it. Very different. This, yeah. this championship will never be defended outside of America or something. It's something. <laughs> although, the, although the person who wins it will also be a New Japan <laughs> champion as well. God. All right. Akane Banashi, story 88, got me licked. So. Oh, Nick. Damn. Uh, no, no, this story didn't have anything to do with fetishes. No, stop it. Uh, so Yuzen, for whatever reason, narrates the beginning of this story. Just talking about, I was like, yeah, I thought this Kogum guy had the eyes of a loser. It was so obvious. He's lost before he even fought. I thought he was nothing. So how? Ah! And of course, Kogum was getting a really big reaction for telling his story, which is about Guys who like licking metal, it's just they just like licking metal objects, and and even the, per, the person who's found out, oh, the old master likes to lick metal, just like his son goes, "Ma'am, did you hear your husband and son liked his?" And oh yes, that was what brought my husband and me together in the first place. <laughs> They're licking it's, fucking stands on a, a like a, a, a bridge. I love the expression Koguma makes for the guy reacting. This just like, ah, what is happening? Uh, get it keeps on getting huge reactions from the audience, and Yuzen's like, no, but oh, how's he getting a better reaction than I did? And his eyes—he's like a different person now. Bold, cocky, the eyes of a winner. Yeah, because he's going. Hmm. So, I like how he. Uh, this guy's voice is apparently Sam the Eagle from the Muppets. <laughs> he is making a different expression now. This is not the American way. The eyes of a winner. <laughs> We're gonna have to remember that for later. <laughs> this character yeah, is gonna show up all the time. For all those using appearances, gotta keep that in the back yeah. pocket. So. Uh, so Koguma, you know, he keeps continuing on with the story about how, yeah, hoping to make his son's dream come true, the old master put a ladder against the pagoda so that he could climb the tower to like the Kiboshi, and then it's like, oh, and he went up there, and he went to get it, and when he reached his long away to Kiboshi at last, and Yusen goes, if you can make eyes like that, it is the proper thing to do, to do it from the start. 
Hmm, he's got me licked. <laughs> I, I hate that I was like, fuck, they really got me on that wordplay. He's got me licked after this whole story. I was like, damn, that's some fucking spot on writing there. Excellent. Uh, and yeah, we're just going to have to reiterate like how difficult this actually is to dig up an old work and adapt it for this because essentially, you know, all the works of, and stories that have survived through the times are either just totally timeless or they've, you know, been honed over the course of years continuously. And instead, Kokomo had to do that all in one go, all on his own in order to do it. Uh, so there's only a few people who would even recognize the amount of work that would go into this. Uh, but and the majority of the public probably don't even realize how impressive this is. But given how much attention this event is getting, that's going to get noticed. And we get a flash of social media. And there are, you know, like someone who's just like, oh, yeah, Kogama's, you know, I never saw him before. He was pretty good. And then there's uh, Rui Nakanishi comments. He was incredible that he performed this obscure story, Yaboshi. No one does that story. I can't believe I got to see it in person. You know, mm -hmm. just like we raging about it. Uh, and uh, so this leads to the realization, like, I kind of thought he was just for the hardcore audience, but this shows that he's got a way higher ceiling than that. Uh, Koguma comes off stage, immediately ruffles up his hair again. <laughs> like time to shrink into the nearest corner. Uh, he spots Ikaru kind of looking at him. And he's like, what's with that look? Oh man, you, you really just like put all your emotions just directly on your face, don't you? Uh, and she's like, you know, I'm allowed to feel defeated. But also, I'm kind of relieved because you really are a Kana-chan senior. You resemble her a little. And Koga was like, wait, I do? But at the same time, I was like, hey, that's nice. Yeah. He's, he's like, the old me wouldn't have accepted the offer to participate in this event. But after having a front row seat to someone who lives her life like there's nothing else. Eh, spend time with the wolf, you learn to howl. It's like, aww. Just, you know, kind of ah, like, the classic Danzig song, Wolf Mother. <laughs> <laughs> Wolf uh, Mother. <laughs> I, I just want to say, I just want to say, like, I like the continued, I mean, like, the two-way street of all of Akane's uh, big brother apprentice relationships. It's very nice. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Koguma, man, you really went hard. You showed all that you were made of, all the potential and all that hard work really paid off. Anyway, Kaisei's taking the stage. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, he's he they don't explicitly say it, but uh it sounds as though he he won. <laughs> yeah. It's never outright stated, but it's definitely implied, implied by yeah. the artwork, yeah. But uh we cut away from there to uh Gakuro. And who is on his, you know, his work study to getting to uh, understand, you know, more skills. He is training under Suruhana Kikufute. Kif Kifukute. Ooh, that's going to be difficult. Uh, Suruhana. So she's like, yeah, look, I got that invitation from my Karu, And I, I thought that it meant that, you know, I'm sure you thought you meant that you would get a nice cushy landing. And that's not it. You you got it. And he's just very seriously. Like, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Good, good answer. Have a candy. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so things are going okay for him. Uh, we are given like, you know, some more 
information about like hey look this is you know what we do uh when this style of rocco is done it requires for familiarity with this kind of stuff and uh so she says look i don't expect you should need all these basic lessons and he says look just teach me everything i'm trying to start over from the beginning please help me learn so he's just really seriously dedicated to it and he's like look i came all the way out to osaka so that i could absorb all this and make it my own because that's what she would do and we finally cut back in on akane uh who is performing at the rakugo cafe and she's still got her her kikurumi on uh uh but she's kind of got the hood thrown back a bit uh, so it seems we'll be cut checking in on that performance and see how well uh, her promotion plans are going. Yeah, fun chapter, nice close to the whole uh, Koguma uh, story, and then, you know, tease out the much lo- more looming antagonist. Uh, and then, yeah, well, see where a couple characters are at, and then we'll get right back to Akane. Yeah. Oh, okay. Nick, you want to wrap this up? Let's talk about One Piece chapter 1099. Mm-hmm. What a wild time to be alive. Pacifist. So we, we're still in the Kuma flashback. Last mm-hmm. time we found out King Bakori was enacting this plan to basically eliminate all the elderly on the island to essentially make it so his country seemed more prosperous as a result. Uh, Kuma is going around trying to save people, but uh, the people who have been saved at this point are like, Kuma, you can't keep doing this. You're just going to die. You've done enough. Uh, meanwhile, King Makori is just like, ah, this worked in a kingdom to the east, so I shall use it here. I believe that was the Goa kingdom he's referencing. Uh, if not, then I don't know what it's meant to be referencing. There's not that many things going on at the East Blue. <laughs> um, I, thought that he would be, I thought that he would be referencing Wano. He could. I guess in my mind, this takes place in the West Blue. So if you said to the East, I would assume it's the East Blue. Uh, I don't know. This is this is some uh, something I probably should have looked up ahead of time. But um, he references someplace, uh, and then this is like mm, you know sometimes a a good king must do what he has to. You know, it's just what I have to do. Uh, and immediately, some people are like, uh fuck you like there's a rebellion outside people are like fuck this guy i i i I hate you and i (laughs) want you to go away uh and he's like okay kill some of them kill some of these rebellious rebellers and you'll be rewarded someone gets shot and then through the smoke comes kuma and he fucking is furious um we cut away over to the church where some of the elderly are kind of watching over um Jewel, uh, Bonnie while also taking care of some of the wounded and they're like hey stay inside Bonnie and she's, she's just looking out and she's like I hope dad's safe he's always such a chicken and then immediately it cuts to Kuma just eviscerating everything he just explodes the capital and we get a text box that says this incident would be known as the solo revolution of the Sherbert kingdom mm-hmm. or sorbet I guess sorbet. Yeah. yeah. It's different foods. Uh, cut over to Seika Marajoa. St. Jay Garcia Saturn hears the news that there is a new king in sorbet. And he's like, strange. Who is it? Cut over 
Kuma has been declared the king. Not by himself, the people demanded. Everyone's just like, Kuma, Kuma, Kuma. And he uh, is king, living out of his old church. Um, and uh, someone comes in and is, is teasing him. They're like, oh, King Kuma, my back hurts. He's like, I'm not King Kuma. The one who actually controls the palace is old bulldog. I'm just a figurehead to make people feel better. Which does help kind of answer the question that they... I had, which was like, I thought some people treated Kuma like he was a royalty before, but then there was like a completely unconnected line. So this is mm-hmm. the explanation to that. Um, the elders are, are kind of laughing because they're like, oh, you know, back in Bulldog's day, we were poor, but things were a lot better. So, you know, it's pretty good. Uh, and we see uh, Body as we kind of know her more today, like uh, yeah. like an adult size running around. Everyone's like, who the fuck is that? She looks as pretty as Ginny. Everyone's all shocked. Um, Kuma acts like he's seen a ghost for a second because yeah. he, he thinks that it is Ginny because she looks just like her. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she just ate the devil fruit off screen. There's no yeah, detail to how she got it, where it's it not came like from. after the king. It's not like after the kingdom fell, like she explored something and found the fruit. Like she, she, she ate it at She's some point. There, yeah. <laughs> there, there, I guess you could easily find reasons for why this fruit got there, but it, it is very funnily not detailed whatsoever. Um, but yeah, she sees her own reflection in the mirror and is stunned by how adult she looks. She's like, what's going on? Uh, people are like, oh, you should try to get make yourself look older. And that's when uh, the church is visited by old bulldog and also someone else. So one of uh, the guys who eventually becomes part of Bonnie's crew uh, grabs someone and is like, oh, no, Bonnie, she turned into an old wrinkled bag. It really worked. And there's just this woman staring at her. So we can see Bonnie just like to the left. And it turns out that's Queen Connie. Who is just this tiny shriveled old woman? Yeah, this is the person who Bonnie turned herself into so she could attend the reverie. Um, this is also Bulldog, who is established to be an old man's mother. So this is like that SpongeBob gag where like the old lady answers the door when they're selling chocolate and they're like, "Excuse is me, is your lady. mother home?" Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I love her face. She's like, "Who the fuck are you calling an old wrinkled bag?" <laughs> Um, so there's a news article that comes out in the paper that King Bakori is coming back because Kuma has been set up as this wicked dictator who took over the kingdom. So the Marines are going to help him. And, you know, everybody's worried. They're like, no, if King Bakori comes back, he'll have us all killed this time for sure. And Kuma's like, don't worry. He's not coming back here. I'll drive him away. But once that happens, I'm going to become a criminal, so I won't be able to stay here anymore. So I'm going to need you to actually be King Bulldog, and and I'll need you to basically watch over Bonnie in that case. Um, it's also very cute. We see Bonnie actually aging herself up, and she does look like Connie, and she seems to be less upset about this version. Uh, we also find out this is the person who basically gives Bonnie the hat that she would come to wear. In her, her pirating times. Uh, so Kuma says goodbye to Bonnie. And he's like, hey, be a good girl while I'm gone. And he sails off to confront the Navy fleet where King Bakori is. Uh, king Bakori is like, no, I'm the true king. Kill him. And Kuma's like, 
Sucks to suck, but I'm not losing. <laughs> and he destroys the entire Navy uh, fleet that came after him. Doing so earns him a bounty. Uh, we we cut over very briefly to see Bonnie kind of on her own. I don't know if she grew giant somehow or if it's just the perspective, just perspective of the shot. Yeah it's, yeah, it's a little tough to tell. Um, but she's sad. She's a little girl who misses her daddy. And everyone has to be like, no, it's, 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 you know, he say, he's a hero who saved the lamb. She's like, I don't care. He's my daddy. And once I'm 10 yeah. to my mom better, I'm going to be a pirate too. Um, then we get a very interesting montage, Nick. Kuma sales. Do you know where this is? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know the second shot. That's, okay. that's Thriller Bark. No. Uh, okay. No, <laughs> no, no, wait, no, wait. That's is that Mihawk's place? It is the island that Mihawk resides on. Uh, right. So the first place is, I think it was Torino Island. It's like translated as like Birdie Island, essentially. Uh, that is where Chopper got sent by Kuma in the flash forward. They were they eventually discovered that that place had like a bunch of side, to, okay. uh, event, a bunch of like medical properties in the tree. And then the island after that is Mihawk. He runs into Jet and Abdullah is just like a little fun cameo. Then that ice island is where Frankie got sent Frankie. to. He goes to Tequila Wolf, which is where Robin got sent to. Then we see the weather island that Robin or uh, Nami goes to. Uh, the bug island that Usopp gets sent to. Basically. We see Kuma's trip around the world where he saw all these locations that he eventually sent all the Straw Hats to. Right. Uh, and it ends with him not finding any luck with anyone knowing how to help Bonnie. But he eventually runs into Dragon Ship, which is kind of metal. It's a black ship with a big dragon, dragon on the front. <laughs> um, as a brief little note that uh, Bello Betty asks... Uh, kuma if she can become the captain of the eastern forces because that position has kind of been held in honor of jenny mm -hmm. uh until kuma says differently and kuma's like all right i guess this is a position for foul-mouthed women to run yeah. <laughs> sounds good um but and this is also they do point out that this is when uh i uh Ivankov, holy shit, I'm forgetting every character's name. Mm -hmm. Ivankov and Izuma have been uh, sent to Impel Down already, so he kind of addresses yeah. that. But Dragon's like, hey, you know, I, I really want to show you some of the new recruits we have. And Kuma's even like, yeah, I mean, it sounds like you're doing a lot. I want to help, but... And Dragon's like, yeah, Bonnie, I I, I totally understand. I think yeah. I might... Sacrificing know. everything to look after your child? <laughs> I understand that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's like the going Mary passes in the background. The timeline doesn't like, make sense at all. Like we are just blaring across the horizon. I'd do anything to see my kid again. Da, 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 da. Uh, but he's Did like, someone hear something. <laughs> Dragon's like, I didn't hear anything. <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I think you you should talk to this Doctor Vegapunk. Uh, he's you know the Navy's uh, scientist, but he's going to be transferring locations, and this is an opportunity to actually get in and talk to him. It won't be as highly guarded. So Dragon is going to set up this meeting between the two, and we cut over. Kuma gets to return home, grabs Bonnie, heads on over to what we now know as Egghead Island, and Kuma's like, we're here for a checkup. Runs into uh, 
uh, uh, oh my god, I forget every character's name, Vegapunk, and Vegapunk is like, oh, you're so, so big, and you have little girl with the spicy mouth. Uh, and, yep. uh, cause immediately Bonnie takes one look and says, wow, look at his head. Gross. I mean, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, Omega Punk is like, oh, you've done very well to survive the Sapphire scales for so long. She will survive. I have some medical tech that I've been holding back from the public market. Um, and he's like, yeah, we, you know, we use some stem cells basically and, and all this stuff. It'll cost about as much work as creating a cyborg though. And Kuma's like, oh, you're going to make her into a cyborg. He's like, no, no. I said, it'll cost as much. And as he's, he's, you know, looking over some of Kuma's, uh, fig, you know, uh, medical notes. He's like, are you a buccaneer? You know, I'm with the government, right? And Kuma's like, ah, I figured dragon would set me up with someone who'd fuck me over. So. You know. Yes, you remind me of Dexter Jackson, the <laughs> Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> oh my god. Um, but he explains, he's like, well, I would love to get a sample size of you. And, and Kuma's like, wait, you want to make clones of me? And he's like, yes, I've been looking for the right person to be the base for my clone soldiers. You would just need to provide me with some samples, and I can create these clone soldiers, and I'll cover the entire cost of Bonnie's operation. And Kuma's like, well, I mean, obviously I'm not going to decline this offer, but, like, what are you going to do with these clones of me, these soldiers? Like, are they going to be Navy soldiers? He's like, yes, and they'll shoot laser beams! <laughs> <laughs> like he specifically starts with that he's like and they shall shoot lasers from their face oh um, they'll be so overwhelmed by the power of science <laughs> but he goes on to explain he's like they will use their bod their rock hard bodies to protect bullets or to deflect bullets and save people they shall be heroes to the common man mighty warriors from the future and uh, Kuma just uh, reiterates something Dragon said to him about Vegapunk, where he's like, he's an odd man, but true to his desires and trustworthy. And <laughs> Vegapunk's like, shut nerve to say that about me. Uh, but Kuma's excited. He's like, the nerve to say such an accurate thing about me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Kuma says, you know. Maybe it's good. If these clone soldiers could save, like, based on me, could save other people's lives, then maybe my own life will have meant something. Uh, so, okay. I would like to make a deal with you. He basically is just like, look, I would make a deal with you to save Bonnie's life, even if you were the devil yourself. Just save Bonnie. And Vegapunk says, oh, you are a true saint. Unfortunately, Nick, we had to cut over for a moment to Sacred Marajoa, where St. J. Garcia Saturn is listening into this conversation and he is upset because the clone soldiers are weapons and weapons are valued by how many they can kill so he will not let this opportunity slip through their fingers he says that but, to yeah somebody basically but he says i have a plan yeah and we end the chapter with kuma saying a saint no nothing like that I'm just a weak-willed pacifist. And we get the Vegapunk laugh of pe 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 I like that. I think I shall use that for the name of my future soldiers. So mm, now... Pacifista has a better ring to it than future soldier. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, Quinn, next uh, chapter is going to be chapter 1100. Mm -hmm. uh, 
I'm not looking forward to it. It feels like it's going to be a bad time because it feels like it's going to be big and uh, big into the bad times for 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 Kuma and for Bonnie uh, by extension. Yes. And also for the world by further extension because it look I mean we know like what happened in the intervening time. Like freaking Kuma got turned into a fucking heartless robot and uh yeah. Yeah, uh, whatever. Its way. Whatever Jay Garcia does is going to break a lot of people's hearts. Uh, I do like how we are setting up Jay Garcia Saturn specifically to be the person who is involved in all of this, yes. and he's the one who's here. And you're like, I need you to get hit by a meteor. Like, I need you to fucking. Die. I hate you so much, you piece of shit. I need someone to punch you into the ocean, basically. Yeah. Uh, provide a more personal stake in his involvement in the current arc. Yeah. Uh, just as a small note, I want to say that I do like that uh, as Vegapunk and Kumar are having their rather lengthy conversation that occasionally it pans over to show that Bonnie is playing with Sentumaru's axe. <laughs> yes. There, there, there are a lot of fun little cute details. Um, that's just really good stuff. Yeah. As, as Fox quote saying, like, if we know one member of the the go uh the what the goatier not goatier the goatai five i think or whatever is responsible for all this what are the other four responsible for like yeah. all the, the it's like those four innocent so we're gonna find out those motherfuckers are all fed up to their own individual things mm-hmm. gorse um so yeah a lot of a lot of uh a lot of heartbreaking stuff coming but i, I do like how this flashback is going well with that all said quinn tell me what was your favorite thing that happened this week? What was your favorite chapter? And who's your favorite uh, character? Mm, um, let me think about this for a second. I I think my favorite chapter was One Piece. One Piece was really exciting and fun. There's there's just a lot to think about, but I I might need to think about my favorite character. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go for green, green, greens, man. Wow. I just, it, it was the most surprising chapter for me because I saw, oh boy, a golf manga, and it was really, really good. Uh, it had the most compelling story for me in terms of a single chapter that happened this week. There was a lot of nice chapters that all happened. I thought the blue box was good, one piece was good. Uh, I liked Cypher Academy, but that one was the one that hit me the hardest. So, yeah, that's it. Uh, I'm going to give my character of the week in that same way to the lead from Green Green Greens. I, I liked him a lot. I, I nice. found his his character growth uh, compelling, and uh, I am excited to see more of his relationship with Oka. Yeah, Haku Yesaki. Yeah. Uh, I am going to give my MVP. Let me just double check here. Yeah, I'm going to give mine to uh, Obero from Cypher Academy. Uh, it, she only showed up very briefly in this, but I thought it was a very effective short little story that was told of, you know, it's just a big thing of like, oh, she sacrificed herself for her friends and everyone was sad about it. <laughs> yeah. uh, and it was nice to add some higher stakes to this sequence because, of course, we've got like the bigger picture of like, oh, getting the freaking morgue and, and that one soldier with with the hand signs and stuff but it's like no we gotta get going because our friend is in trouble and we need to help her uh it was nice to just raise that up like that yeah 
Yeah, okay. absolutely. All right. The audience, by the way, whoop, 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 uh, has Blue Box as their chapter of the week. And tied, actually, with Akane Banashi. Uh, there's a bunch of ties. Oh, my gosh. Uh, tie with Blue Box and Akane Banashi for chapter of the week. And Obro and Kuma for character of the week. Nice. All right. Well, that is going to do it then, everybody, for this week of Weekly Manga Recap. Join us again next time when we'll be recording the show around 7.30 to 8 Eastern time in the evening. Uh, Wednesdays is when we record it here on twitch.tv slash T. You can also check out the past episodes on weeklymangarecap.podbean.com. It's also posted on Spotify and iTunes and other podcasty type places. And uh, the video version is posted on youtube.com slash recap. The video version has an introduction done by Milo Jack Stilitz and Wesley Del Cheddar. Thank you guys for creating that for us. Occasionally has title cards made by Steve Mann, whose artwork you can check out by searching for Steve Mann art. It is like everywhere that art get, can be posted, essentially. Uh, and we also want to thank everyone who supports us over on Patreon. Patreon.com slash recap, where we occasionally have bonus episodes for you guys. A couple weeks ago, we recorded and posted a very bizarre bonus episode where we uh, did a fantasy draft of uh, of NFL football offenses. Uh, use use each other. Jump yes. <laughs> it is still manga related. Don't worry. Yes. Uh, and so if you become a subscriber, you can get more weird episodes like that. We also want to thank everyone on our Discord server. Uh, you can find uh, great conversations on there. We've got a wonderful community. And you can also find the Google Doc maintained by Ninja X3i on there, uh, where all the statistics associated with the podcast are tracked, including recommendations, both past and potentially future, if you want to add your suggestion for a future manga for us to check out. And I think that is going to do it here for us on the show. Yeah, we've done everything. Um, I guess it's time to get going. Oh, how was your Thanksgiving, by the way? I didn't ask. It was nice. Uh, I played a board game with my family. Aw, what board game? Bethumped. Mm. Yes, I'm, it's a very well-known one. I've never heard of Bethumped. It, uh, <laughs> it's a Trivial Pursuit-style game that is about the origins of English words. Oh my gosh. Yeah, <laughs> wow. I come from a family of nerds. Wow, yeah, that is uh, about as nerdy of a game as you could play. You were like, hey, what if Trivial Pursuit... But nerdier. Yep. I'm proud of you. Uh, I have nothing. I can't just end up calling you a nerd. That's mean. Um, I guess we are. All right, bye.